Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 45 of the Real Talk podcast. I am sitting, of course, alongside my beautiful co-hosts, Seth and Tyler. Cam is absent right now, but he will join us later, hopefully. We think. Um, we think. We hope. We don't know. Uh, <laughs> as always, um, we are going to quickly shout out all of our, our stuff, our merch. You guys have been fucking amazing on Twitter, tweeting us that you guys are purchasing you know, all of the Barbenheimer shirts, the film bro shirts. You're tweeting us pictures in your apparel, telling us it's a devious fit. And we really love seeing that. We really love seeing all of the support that you guys are giving us. Um, same thing to all of our patrons. Um, like we say every week, you guys, as well as all of our non-patrons, anyone that listens, you guys are the reasons we continue to do this every single week. Um, you give us that platform to talk and just come on here and shoot our shit. Um, but we got a good episode today. So let's, uh, let's get right into it. Um, we're going to run through Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Um, we're going to very quickly touch on the strike. Uh, we also have a couple of trailers, and we're going to talk about the DC castings. Um, and then we're going to wrap up our episode. Uh, we're going to do our Mission Impossible ranking. Uh, so stick around to the end of the episode for that. Um, should be a good one. Gentlemen, how have we been this week? Seth, you've been complaining about allergies for the last 45 minutes while we sat yeah. on this call. So how are you yeah. feeling? Shit, man. Like, just terrible, terrible allergies. I mean, I don't know what it is. It's just, yeah, terrible. Uh, as far as the week's gone, pretty standard, I guess. Pretty good. Um, I haven't really done too much this week, mainly some work stuff. Um, I was ill for a couple of days, which was great. Just had a cold. Um, but it's been a pretty nothing week for me. I've, I've made the time. I've watched quite a lot of films this week. Obviously, got the Mission Impossible films tits off, and then went to see the um, new one yesterday, which obviously we'll go over, um, as well as our rankings, stuff like that, which I'm looking forward to. Um, and uh, yeah, pretty much it. Like, not, nothing really too much to go over this week, just allergies killing me. Um, and there is UFC on tonight, but it's the worst card ever in the history of life, ever, ever, Jesus. ever. So yeah, I'm not fucking watching that shit because I'm not staying up for that. Uh, but yeah, pretty standard week. Nothing too much going on. Um, just the usual stuff. All right, sweet Tyler. How about you? How's the week going? Really, nothing on my end. Um, I'm not really sick anymore. But so I've just been kind of spending the week getting caught up on work and getting back in the TikTok grind, uh, getting back in the gym. So kind of just you know getting back on track week. But nothing really crazy. Just been pretty busy. And uh, yeah, it's the weekend now and tired as hell right now so today's either gonna go two directions one i'm gonna wake up a ton by the end of these podcast filmings and i'll be like ready to tackle the day or two gonna take a nice little fat nap when we wrap up here at like 8 a.m or something so we'll see what the cards have in store right now i'm feeling a nap but we got a long ways to go before then so i have uh, a question pretty standard both of you yeah let's hear it. regarding naps do you have them do they make you feel better well one or... i don't i don't have naps i take naps okay let's, you... let's get that American okay. logic out of the way. <laughs> do you do you take naps or <laughs> I, does it make you feel better or worse after you wake up? Because I can't do it because it makes me feel so much worse after I wake up. So I just think it's pointless. You know what I mean? No, I, I love I don't take naps often. I love when I do, but I also hate when I do because then I don't sleep that night. Also that. Yeah. But, but no, I, I don't I, I don't take it, naps all that often. Tired. Especially if it's just like half an hour, an hour, I wake up feeling yeah, like I, I never really take naps, but like real talk naps are the only ones that work out for me just because like 
I usually go to bed at like eight and then wake up at like 10 or something, right? Like after a real talk episode. So like it's basically then it's just like I woke up late that day. And those days yeah. are the weirdest days of a fog because when I record, when I get up at like four 30, record real talk to like eight 30 and then like sleep, like go to bed and like sleep an hour until like nine, like 10 30 or something. When I wake up, I'm like, holy shit. Did I even like, did I just film like three hours of content? Like it just feels like a whole blur. And I'm like, what do we even talk about? I don't even know. Secretly, whenever Tyler turns off his camera, when he says real talk naps, he's actually just. Yeah, exactly. I, I just need a quick recharge. He's just, quickly, he's, just, he's just leaning back, eyes shut for like five minutes. He's like, I can't listen to this bullshit real quick. But no, like if I'm going to take a nap after work, like so like five o'clock is when like the nap starts. Then that that's just like a waste of the night because like, yeah, I'll wake up and it'll be like only a couple hours to like sleep time and I'm not going to do much. So. I, r- I rarely take naps for that reason, but like sometimes with these like four thirty a.m. wake up calls, like I need to need to get a couple hours in. So yeah. What yeah. time are you going to bed if you wake up without a half four? I s- dude, I I I suck at sleep. I know everyone's like I it's the most important thing ever for your health, but like on it average, I get like I get like five <laughs> hours of sleep a night, and then like real talk nights aren't better. Like last night, I probably went to bed like midnight and woke up like four thirty. So yeah, I need more sleep. I need to be healthier with my sleep for sure. Yeah, I'm kind of, I don't know. My sleep schedule is, like, so fucked. Like, I'll go a week sleeping great for, like, you know, I'll get some nice eight hours a day for, like, seven days straight. Mm -hmm. And then I'll go a week where I sleep an hour a night. Like, I'm tossing, turning, just something is keeping me awake. It's horrendous. And then I try to not nap as much as possible. I went home, I don't know, it was, like, maybe, like, a month ago. Or actually, no, it was, like, two months ago. And the night before I went home, I had gone out with a couple of my coworkers, old coworkers. Um, and we spent the day on the boat. I was hot in the sun, got home, 4.30, I'm on the couch. Next thing I know, it's 11.15 p.m. and I'm waking up. That's I, what the sun will do to you as well. The weather I passed. I, I woke up to like 12 missed calls from Victoria. She called my sister and my mom to make sure I was okay because I wasn't responding. I was knocked out on this couch. And then I didn't sleep the entire night. That's fair. Yeah. But um, all right, let's keep going. My week, just to continue your guys' boring week, I guess. My week was also kind of boring. Um, just work, been a grind lately. Um, we're we're kind of getting into those summer months where like everyone wants to dial in before the end of the summer uh, because that's when a lot of people usually take off in the industry. Um, so it's been, it's been a little bit of a whirlwind in terms of work, but other than that, not really an eventful week, obviously saw mission impossible dead reckoning part one. Um, but yeah, other than that, nothing much. So let's move on. Let's quickly touch on the trailers before we get into our mission impossible review, just cause I think we'll, we'll kind of blow past those really quickly. Um, we didn't touch on this last week, uh, and we should have, um, killers of the flower moon trailer dropped. This was this trailer was like to appeal to everyone where like the first trailer felt like more of like that artistic trailer that we expect from a Scorsese film. But this one felt like it was going for mass appeal and God damn, did that trailer fucking bang bro. (laughs) Yeah, it was really good. The only thing I would say is the, the, I loved the trailer. I think both of them have been fantastic. The only thing that was a little bit weird from that one was the music, you know. In comparison oh, to dude, one. I love that. That's what I'm saying. That's why that. that yeah, that's yeah, why yeah, this was like get it. Yeah, it was yeah, yeah, the yeah. mass appeal trailer. Like this was trying to get people on board who would never go see, like this western type film from Martin Scorsese. Yeah, I just think I liked the kind of the more endearing scene. Yeah, 
um, methodic kind of kind of beat rather than the yeah one we got. But I can definitely see why that would appeal to a more general audience. I guess. Yeah, cool. I, I yeah. loved it, and that, that music started banging away. I was like, shit, this kind of rocks right now. <laughs> yeah, it reminded <laughs> but, me a lot of like The Departed, like how I just had like very like popular music i guess like you know kind of classic yeah. rock type music kind of banging throughout yeah. the trailer like to get people hyped yeah because like the first trailer i remember being so hyped when that came out and i would like send it to people that aren't necessarily like big movie buffs which is like my friends i'm like it's martin scorsese everyone's gonna love him and like everyone's reaction was like that looks so boring like i'm not gonna see uh, that and this one's it so it's like this is why you need a trailer like this because at the yeah, end of the day it's a scorsese movie with the sacked cast so like they're gonna have to make that budget back so that appealed to everyone yeah exactly and then God, I I just want to touch on it. As much as I love these trailers, same thing with the Napoleon trailer, Dune, Oppenheimer. We got to relax these five minute trailers or three minute trailers. Like I tweeted about it the other day, and I was like, it's just too much. Like I know, like especially for like something as like 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 Tyler said, no one's just gonna go see like a Western Martin Scorsese Killers of the Flower Moon movie. So you need to appeal to the mass public and just give as much content as possible to like show that like this is gonna be good. But like. God, they showed so much in that trailer. <laughs> yeah, like, obviously um, all right. with all these trailers that are super long, like they obviously have a ton still up their sleeves and stuff, but it's just like, I don't know, it's just so much that kind of wanted yeah, to it, see. It, it's a lot. Which, like, again, I loved all these trailers, but let's like relax these two, three minute trailers. Uh, Seth uh, is probably most anticipated movie for the remainder of the year, I'd imagine. Yeah, it is now. It was like two and one of Killers and Farming, but I think this is. Okay. If you're well, talking about Napoleon, I am talking about Napoleon. So we got the new uh, Napoleon trailer starring Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, this is, of course, Ridley Scott. Um, Seth, go for it. <laughs> yeah. So I've been just eagerly anticipating this ever since we got the the initial kind of release news and whatever. <clears throat> I think this just it looks it looks incredible. It looks like a a, a huge like just an epic on a massive massive scale. The set pieces look incredible. Um, the world, the production, it looks very, very high scale. And, and, and we know the Ridley Scott, you know, it is good at that, depending on whether you liked some of his previous films, like The Last Jewel, House of Gucci. Obviously, The Last Jewel was, was um, quite similar in regards to the production. Uh, but I think this is going to be such a huge story on, on a big scale. I think Wacky Phoenix is, is, is just a perfect, perfect casting for the role. Um, <clears throat> And I think it's really going to be intriguing to show the different aspects of Napoleon's life. Um, you know, the, the romantic aspects, the, um, the I guess, uh, empowerment. Um, the, the, the tyrant aspects. The tyrant aspects, yeah. The uh, obnoxious nature. Yeah. And I think it's going to be really interesting. And I think... Um, I was actually quite surprised about the runtime in this. I actually anticipated this being longer because I think Napoleon is such a, a story that has so much to it in terms of his life and and where they go with this, I'll be intrigued to see what kind of things he includes and what kind of things he misses out. I think the what's the runtime? Two thirty-five, I think. Which is oh, sure. okay, okay. That's still sure, yeah, mate. okay, yeah. But I, I anticipated because obviously we've had previous Napoleon projects before. I think there was a mini series came out in, well, not mini series. It's like a film of parts. Um, it came out in like um nineteen twenty-seven. There's a five and a half hour short film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Final shot for yeah, okay. Five and a half hour short film. Not short film. Sorry, silent film. <laughs> five and oh, half okay. Film. I was yeah. gonna say that's, yeah. yeah. That's People's attention moronic. spans were built different a hundred years ago before <laughs> yeah, technology ruined it. I was like, what's <laughs> a half? I was that's low. That's just... I was like, what's a fucking feature length film know, like, running at ten hours right now? Yeah. <laughs> I, so I haven't seen that. I have no idea. And I, I did speak to my dad about it once. This got kind of revealed, and he says that so much is touched on in that. I kind of thought it would be, be, be similar. Um, 
but it, yeah, I, I'm just incredibly excited. I think I think the trailer looks fantastic. I really, really do. I think it's the set pieces just look incredible. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm very, very excited. I think this is probably the number one now for me. Uh, closely followed by Kills of Far Moon and, and and probably now Dune Part Two. Um, but yeah, very, very excited. I, I'm just absolutely giddy thinking about it, and I think it's going to be hopefully incredible. Anyway, because this is what Ridley Scott excels in is is, is these productions, these mass scale. Um, historic epics, as we've seen previously. You know, I still haven't seen the last duel. Have you not? It's interesting. Uh, I, I know. I really. I, I don't. I have no reason. Like not. Like I love Ridley. I love the cast. I have no reason not to. It's just like one of those films. Like every time I go to turn it on, I'm like, I'm just not in the mood for like how much this movie is gonna need me to pay attention right now. <laughs> yeah. I. So I watched it. Me and Anna watched it like not long ago. I think I watched it on like um, around like end of December. I think we. Yeah. Watched it. Um. I liked the last duel. I think. It excels in its production and its narrative. I found it a little bit bizarre, but I think it was. A, I think I give it like a three point five. I, I liked it, and I think it was fun. It was um, yeah, a great production. But I think it, there is there is parts I didn't like. I would I'd be intrigued to see what you think of it actually because I know people that love it. Some people actually I think it's one of Ridley's best. I really liked it, for example. Um, I, I think I, Sydney had it in like her top three of that year. I think like she thinks she thinks very highly of that movie. I think it's very a much lot of people do. a a a female empowerment film, which is important when it comes to a historical epic because you yeah. don't that often. Yeah. Um. The weirdest thing for me in that film is the casting, man. I don't know. It was just like yeah. Every time I see Ben Affleck, I'm like, that's Matt, come on. Ben Affleck. It, it's Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Adam Driver. It's Adam Driver is actually kind of like he's cool because he kind of works in that realm. Yeah. But it seems that Matt Damon and like and 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 Ben Affleck with like these like dyed hair and the wig <laughs> and the old school. It just kind of threw the right, uh, pushed me the wrong way. But obviously, Jodie Comer was in that, who is fantastic. Um, but yeah, we can see what you're going to think of that uh, because it is. Yeah, I need to get her. Honestly, maybe tonight. Now that we're mentioning it, I got nothing else to watch tonight. So maybe tonight. Um, all right, moving on. We also got our highly anticipated Wonka trailer, which obviously stars Timothy Chalamet uh, in the title role, um, following Gene Wilder and Johnny Depp as the uh, as the titular character. Um, Tyler, do you want to run through a couple of Wonka thoughts? Yeah, so I thought I thought it was interesting because this is like a trailer that I watched and then like tweeted my reaction to it before I saw what like the general consensus was, and I just absolutely loved it. And then I saw like everyone seems to unanimously hate it, and I like didn't see that at all before I was posting. But I was like, damn, I really liked it. I thought it was fun and quirky. Like, I'm a little conflicted because everyone's like, oh, look, like everyone's like, oh, like. Gene Wilder's like uh, Johnny Depp was way more like cynical and same with uh, Johnny Depp is, or Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka and the same with Johnny Depp's Willy Wonka. But like this is a different age Willy Wonka. Like, we're seeing kind of the beginning of him and either one of two things I think is going to happen. Either of them are both perfectly understandable to me. One it's by uh, Paul King, I believe the director of like the Paddington movies. So like yeah. not going to be the craziest, most cynical movie or B. This is going to be kind of like the Barbie movie where, you know, the first trailer came out and you're like, oh, this is going to be super fun and lighthearted. But then you realize it's probably going to be a lot more darker with a lot with the quite a bit of like undertones and narrative about like how like it's just not going to be basically all light and fluffy like you thought on first glance. And I feel like that this movie is going to kind of be about like Willy Wonka starting with like a man with a dream and like an ambition of being like the chocolate guy. And then by the end, like he starts to slowly devolve, which I think Timothy Chalamet would absolutely kill like going from someone who's so happy go lucky to going to someone who's like starts to be a little mad or a little power hungry. And I think if, it, if they go that route, it'll be incredible. But regardless, like it's just, I don't know when you, when you come to stuff like this, you just can't compare everyone. Like 
obviously I think Gene Wilder was way better than Johnny Depp. And I think Timmy DeJalame is a great actor too. And it's going to be a very different performance than both Johnny Depp and Gene Wilder. So I guess a lot of people don't think this looks good to me. I thought it looks super fun. I really think the production design looks a lot of fun on this one and we'll see. I get why people watched it. Maybe got a little upset but for me. I don't know. I was really excited and I was like kind of shocked, I guess when I saw it. And like the weird thing is I just forget like how like online the film Twitter community is because so many people are like, wow, Timothy Chalamet like really can't play this like lighthearted, whimsical guy. I'm like, everything I've ever seen of the dude makes me think like he's always a lighthearted, whimsical guy in his real life. Like just a little quirky <laughs> little theater kid energy. So like, I guess like it's like makes sense because like we've all seen like the the clips from his high school plays and stuff where he's just an absolute goober. But I guess the general public's like this guy from Dune, like he can't play a funny role or like a whimsical <laughs> role. I'm like, you clearly yes, haven't seen can. some clips of this man. This man's a <laughs> A silly little boy, like he's he's a funny man. I saw so many, and obviously Timmy, one of my favorite working actors of like this new generation, and I'm very excited to see him in this role. But after the trailer came out, I saw so many like fan casts for Jeremy Allen White to play Wonka, and I just locked. I was like, that would have been unbelievable. And then I think you guys know this, but I've never seen the Gene Wilder movies. Wow, you haven't seen the original? No. Oh, man, I haven't. That's, that's why I, every every time you guys post your goddamn polls of like Gene Wilder and Johnny Depp, I got to fucking pick Johnny Depp like an asshole. Nah, and it's always at like 4%. I'm like, fuck. That's like one of my favorite performances ever. I think that's a magical film. I think yeah. it's amazing. Like, I've been meaning to read because I, really I watched it a ton as a kid. Same with the, both of them, honestly. I haven't seen since I was a kid, but I watched them a ton as a kid. But I kind of want to rewatch both. Yeah. I, I, or definitely I want to rewatch both for watch sure. The Gene Wilder one is called Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Willy Factory. Wonka and Charlie, yeah. the other one. Okay. one. Yeah, yeah I, I need to watch that. Moving on, we have our last trailer. Perfect time. Cam has joined us. Cam, uh, the... Hey, guys. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just... I, I went night. off the... Well, yeah, I was up till 2 a.m. trying to watch that stupid-ass movie. Whoa. And... That movie was... Actually, it was not that good, but it was okay. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, and then I went off the child alarm this morning who hasn't gotten up past seven in the past two years. He's only been alive for a year. Hasn't gotten up past seven ever. He's still uh, sleeping till 9 a.m. So I'm just the worst. My bad. You're, you're uh, fine. Mission the, Impossible is great. No, we, have, we, haven't, done, we haven't done Mission Impossible. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. We're still, we started, we started right, with cool. the trailers. Perfect. Thanks. Talk, right, talk right, about totally. the Ahsoka trailer. I'm assuming you're excited for that. Hell yeah. It looks awesome. Um it is it is funny because like i do see online like a whole lot of comments that are like how the hell are you going to get a general audience member to watch this very true like it's sorry i just caught a bug feeling pretty high um uh yeah it's very much a like because it's also like rebels season five so if you haven't watched rebels you probably won't be as they they got to make it somehow like a rebel season five almost um um but also its own thing so that you can get a general audience member like i don't think any of you guys are going to watch it george you might right you watch, watch rebel it. yeah I'm okay I, yeah I, yeah i knew you were a rebels guy that's my bad um but yeah i think it looks really good and i i really trust dave filoni i feel like there's a dave filoni's kind of one of those guys who've just gotten like flipped on like he did he did uh uh uh, obviously the clone wars and rebels and then like clone wars season seven everyone loved him mandalorian seasons one and two i feel like everyone loved him and now like after mandalorian season three people are just like 
off on Dave Filoni or at least on like Star Wars Twitter that I'm on. Um, I still trust him with my life basically at this point with Star Wars characters. So, and he like had like full control because he did create the Ahsoka character. So he's very invested in her. So I'm all in. I'm all yeah. in. Yeah. I, it's weird because like, I don't know. I feel like just the title Star Wars is going to just attract like general audience members. Like, I don't think like someone seeing mm-hmm. Ahsoka is going to like hurt viewership, I guess, because she's like, obviously, she's no luke or darth vader even though if you've watched the clone wars you know that in my mind ahsoka is like way better so much yeah yeah, she's she's like a top five or three written character in all of star wars she's number one yeah like she's she's up there as one of the best characters in star wars i'm so Um, but unfortunately yeah a lot of people just that like ahsoka doesn't attract people it's star wars so it's like how much are people really going to want to watch this ahsoka show just because it's like related to star wars because I don't think a lot of the general public has just seen the Clone Wars animated series, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, but all right, we'll move on. Um, uh, let's go to our uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Um, this is maybe not for us four, but this got to be one of the most anticipated movies of the year, obviously coming off of Fallout, which I think all of us agree is one of the best action movies the last 10 years, maybe 20 years, maybe ever. Maybe ever. <laughs> Maybe ever. Um, it, it's no John Wick Chapter 4, but yeah, you, you get what I'm saying. Let's chill. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, we're, we're back into the Mission Impossible franchise. Um, Tom Cruise is doing ridiculous stunts. Um, we were introduced to new characters. Um, let's start with just overall thoughts. We'll do what we usually do. Just quick overall thoughts, and then we'll move into... Um, our spoiler, uh, spoilery section. Um, I don't really have like specific plot points that I want to touch on when we get the spoilers. Obviously, there's some big there's ones one. we got to discuss. Yeah, mm. there, there's one big one I think we'd love to touch on, but other than that, really, uh, not enough. Um, Tyler, uh, sorry, Seth, I think you were the lowest on it, right? You gave it a three and a half. Yeah, I think I think I was lowest on it. All right, let's start with you. Yeah. So. Um... Obviously, I kind of went through most of them this week. Well, the last two weeks, I'd only seen the, the first uh, two previously. So I think it delivered on the expected front. I believe I said this in my review. I think just, you know, set pieces were ambitious, that the cast is charismatic. And it did bring in some some new interesting characters into the um into the franchise. And of course, Tom Cruise. Um I, I often feel guilty for how much I love Tom Cruise because I just think he's just so good. I think Tom Cruise is just an incredible actor. And, and just a charismatic performer who I, who I can't wait to watch on screen. I think this film, we're going to spoilers, obviously, I think this film made some interesting choices. And I also think, I can't remember if the cinematographer was the same, I also think this this was a significant step down in camera work in this one as well. I think some of the uh, set pieces to me were were really bizarrely shot. There was like an overuse of Dutch angles, which kind of annoyed me, especially in that scene um, when they're kind of in the club. Uh, I won't say anything yet, but you know we'll go over that in the future. But I think some of the camera for me was kind of off. Um, and it was erratic and 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 kind of weird, which is not something I expected. And maybe that's because I set my expectations too high, having literally watched Fallout like two days previous. <laughs> Going from that to this, and I also I think the we will go on to rankings, but I also think the one before Fallout, uh, Road Nation, is also incredible. So it's a case of maybe setting my expectations too high to let me down slightly. Um, 
but I do think the, the the film itself is it was definitely a worthwhile watch because it, it delivers on its ambitious front. It's it's exhilarating. It's energetic. I, I definitely much preferred the first half and the second, and because I did think there was some interesting narrative points introduced, which I wasn't that much of a fan of. Again, we'll go over that in spoilers, but nothing really uh, nothing really blew me away. Again, this isn't a spoiler because everyone. Knew this was going to be in the film uh, where he rides the bike off the um, off the cliff, whatever. So even like something like that, it just, nothing really blew me away. Like I, I feel like in the few previous films, at least one thing kind of has. Um, but again, that might be down to my expectations. I just think the main the main thing in this was the overuse of expedition can be obtrusive at points, um, especially the during the middle and. Yeah, the camera work, I don't know, man. I, I'm actually going to, like, I'll check when, obviously, when I've stopped speaking. I don't know if this was a different cinematographer or something, but it fell off to me. It felt it felt generic, which isn't something I expect from Mission Impossible film because they're, you know, they, they are really great action films, especially yeah. the previous ones. Okay, this was a different um, a different cinematographer. However, George, interestingly enough, this guy has done cinematography of John Wick 2. Oh, That shit. is interesting. Yeah, so... Yeah, I, I, gonna, I, I will say, I think stylistically i think john wick 2 is the weakest of the franchise i agree yeah. i completely agree i i think john wick 2 for me is easily the weakest. That, of john that's wick the only john wick movie where like i think i still think it looks cool and the action set pieces are cool but like you watch parabellum or chapter four and you're like that's blown away point. by like the neon aesthetic chapter two is the only one where i was like this just feels like a very like generic action movie in terms of like how it's styled yeah, no, I completely agree. I and also, you're you're work. coming off like Fallout, Fall, the the plane scene where him and Henry Cavill jump out, and like the way that entire sequence is shot is just so fucking cool. Yeah, like I think this is the issue, isn't it? It's like, especially when you're in a franchise when when they are at such a height with Fallout, you will go into it with these um, absurd pre- expectations. Yeah, absurd, absurd expectations which is going to be inevitable. So potentially I am looking at this film too harshly. I do just think there was, there was a step down in it um, for me anyway. And it's interesting enough, George, I'm just, obviously I'll let you guys go to this, but the guy who did the cinematography for fallout also did the cinematography for um, Alex Garland's films, Ex Machina, uh, Annihilation, stuff and like those that. Those are gorgeous films. <laughs> well, there you go. Especially, especially Ex Machina. Yeah. Um, did you yeah, man? Down in that way. I yeah. give it a, <laughs> Yeah, I give it a three point five. Um, we'll, I'm, I'm not going to say where it lands, and we none of us should say where it lands. Yes, we'll we'll save we'll that. We'll save that for the end of the episode. Uh, but yeah, good film. I enjoyed it. Just was a, a slight letdown to what yeah. I've experienced from the previous uh, two. I guess anyway. Yeah, I feel like just I don't know. Overall, from what I've seen from my mutuals, I feel like that's like the general consensus. Still, very good movie, but it's definitely no fallout. Tyler, four out of five. Yep, four give, out of five. give it four out of five. And I will okay, say, like, I wouldn't say it's like completely the consensus because I've seen a lot of people that like put this as like their top, though. So like, I've seen yeah, a lot of yeah, people that yeah. really, really loved it. So um, yeah, I I, I liked it a lot. Um, Haley Atwell is definitely my favorite addition to this series since Rebecca Ferguson, who's like my, the top for me. So she's like comes in at number two, which is like you know saying a lot because this this franchise consistently has added you know a B list A list B list actors and actresses every single time. I will say this is the first one, first time in the entire franchise where I felt like the cast got expanded so much where I didn't feel like they all had the proper amount of time to breathe. So, uh, like, Palm Clementif was also an addition who was great, but I feel like she didn't. I, nearly, I really liked her. I really liked her, too. Really I didn't think she got nearly enough, like, compared to, like, yeah. Haley Atwell. And then I feel like Simon Pegg, like, some people who are, like, type, typically in the franchise, like, really had to take a backseat in this one just because we got so many new people added. Um, 
so I, the cast definitely expanded a ton. Uh, I really liked all the new additions. I just think it spread a little thin. Um, the action set pieces were inc- crazy. I feel like this movie's kind of a two-parter in itself in terms of the first half is a lot of exposition, a lot of you know background spy work, and the second half is pretty much nonstop action because that bike jump scene really just kicks off the beginning of like a 30 minute action sequence with like the train chase and stuff. Um, I think just going into it. So a lot of people I saw before I even saw the movie were like saying, Oh, the, the expedition can be annoying. There's too much of it. Like explain the AIs a lot. So I think just going into it, I already was expecting to see a lot of it. So then when I actually watched the movie, I was just like, that wasn't that bad. I didn't think they were really spoon feeding it too horribly. But again, I think I was just set up for it being way worse than it actually ended up being or being way too much than it actually ended up being. Um, I, I thought the hand to hand combat, even though I love the Henry Cavill fight in fallout, I think the hand to hand combat in this was really, really good. Um, I thought the musical score was super good. I can agree with some issues with the cinematography, but I thought the music was amazing in this. Um, I thought just the final act was completely breathtaking. Um, but yeah, I, I think Tom Cruise is the greatest action star to ever live. He was incredible in this. My favorite thing about him by far is that he just learns new stuff for every movie no matter what in this movie he clearly you know when fallout came out he clearly went like he's like i have to decompress i'm I'm on set for top gun maverick i'm gonna watch some youtube videos chill out he saw some dudes doing sleight of hand magic on his youtube feed and he's like that's it that's the skill i'm mastering for dead reckoning part one i am now gonna learn magic in my free time and just unnecessarily but it was oh, it was so unnecessary every time in the movie, but I loved it every time. I didn't care where he just like flicking stuff back and forth with his hands. And, like <laughs> I'm like, it's just so funny because like stuff like the movie, the Now You See Me movies. Like obviously, I'll do all that with CGI, but you know, Tom Cruise trained in his trailer on set of Top Gun Maverick, just like like freaking Glenn Powell and Miles Teller banging on his door, like, dude, come on, we gotta go fly some jets. He's like, I almost got this like 52 card shuffle, like master guys, just like hold on. Um, but yeah, he's incredible. I really enjoyed this movie. Um, yeah, uh, I, I four star really really liked it. Um, I will say like I I like Across the Spider Verse more than this movie for sure, but this definitely felt more complete as a one parter than Across the Spider Verse because I feel you could watch I this think, yeah. like if this is your favorite Mission Possible movie, which it is for a lot of people, and then say when the franchise is all said and done, you can definitely go back and watch this without like immediately be like okay I need to jump into part two now. Like, you can watch this as a complete narrative. And and feel like you were satisfied. Whereas well, across the Spider Verse, you can watch on its own. But I feel like immediately, you'd be like, I okay, now I need to see Beyond the Spider Verse to finish this off. I think Tom Cruise actually said, or at least I saw an interview where he said that because it is a one part, he doesn't want to leave people with too much anticipation for the next film and wants a a good closed ending where they can watch it as just a one film rather than just thinking about the next one. Um, I'm pretty sure to say I prefer across the spider-verse kind of to this like the ending to this that makes me feel more like it's a part one part two versus this where it feels like it's just another like movie i like they leave a couple things open-ended but this kind of feels more like a movie that they just slapped on a part one title to in my opinion i think it's just because it's, it's gonna be the same villain in the part two it's still gonna be the ai yeah i think the know. use of part one part two kind of gets thrown around a lot as like hey, they're just going to be like the same general plot. So we're going to make a part one, part two. And then to me, it feels like across the Spider-Verse, even though I guess it didn't use the part one, part two. um, uh, That to me feels more like what I would think like a part one would feel like, which it originally was. But maybe they both flipped on how they should have used it. Is it it my turn for a review? I I had to 
Let's uh, well, let's keep it in order of stars because um, okay. I yeah, think you I gave it. I, I missed I missed a couple things. So sorry yeah. about that. No, it's fine. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty much like aligned with with Tyler at my at my four out of five star rating. Um, I think this movie has like some of the best like Mission Impossible moments. Like I think the entire like club sequence to the bridge fight sequence is just it was captivating at, at that point in the movie. I was like, if like this movie continues with this type of style choices and like these just really engaging action sequences, like it might be my highest ranked um, Mission Impossible movie. And then even like the entire final train sequence from the point Tom Cruise jumps off that cliff of the motorcycle and then to the end of the movie. Um, I, I just thought that entire set piece was just fucking mesmerizing. Narratively, I think this is one of the weaker um, Mission Impossible movies. I just... This isn't really like spoilers. It's like the plot of the movie, but like, I don't know. It, it felt very like boring and bland to me. Like, oh, this key unlocks what? Let's get this key, blah, blah, blah. Like, they didn't care too much about the story because they were obviously focusing significantly more on like the action set pieces and like giving us like a true movie theater experience, which granted, all Mission Impossible movies have, but. I don't know. In Fallout, I, I thought that was the strongest Mission Impossible movie narratively, and I think it works really well just because of like how locked in I was to the characters. Like a lot of the new characters just kind of felt there, um, especially like Shea Wiggum and Greg Tarzan Davis as like the two new like FBI agents or whatever they played. Um, but yeah, I, I think as a spectacle, it's it's a Mission Impossible movie, so we kind of know exactly what we're getting into, and I think it holds up that end of the bargain. Like I said. It's got some of like the best moments in Mission Impossible movies, in my in my humble opinion. Um, but narratively speaking, I think this is one of the weaker Mission Impossible movies, so it makes my ranking very difficult to know. Um, but yeah, I, I still thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm still really excited for part two. I think they 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 gave us all the right ingredients to to make sure that I am still excited for part two after this movie. Um, so yeah, I landed at a four out of five. Um, you'll see, you know, stick around to the end of our episode. That's when we will give our rankings, but you'll see where it kind of stacks up against the remainder of the Mission Impossible movies. Tam, you were the highest of all of us. You gave it a four and a half out of five stars. Give us your thoughts. You're on mute. You're on mute. <laughs> yeah, I am. Very epic. Uh, I gave this an 88 out of 100. Really enjoyed it. Really loved it. Um, my biggest knock on the movie is couldn't give less of a fuck about uh, Shea Wiggum or Greg Tarzan Davis yeah. characters. They just threw them in to add them into the chase. And I like did not. I thought Shea Wiggum was hilarious, though. Oh, he was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah I thought I he had some just funny like, fucking moments. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong about that. Just like every scene, though, that he was in of it just felt so unnecessary. Yeah. And that also equates to um, this being a two hour and 46 minute movie and then me going and seeing it at about nine, 9.45, 10 o'clock. So I'm not getting home till 1 a.m. Entire time, every scene, like towards like after the first hour, every scene, I'm like, all right, I don't care. Get this guy off my screen. Um, and you would think that'd make me hold this movie lower. But the fact that like I, who goes to bed at normally like 9 a.m. or 9 p.m. on weekdays, like, I was just locked into this movie the entire time because the action was so awesome. And just fucking Tom Cruise, I swear to God, is not a person. He's an alien and he's an AI. And he's just, he seems like this 
weirdo off screen is so goddamn good in these movies. Like I swear, I swear he is just he is just a person trying to convince every single person on this earth that he's not weird. And he is he's mega weird. But, he is super weird. But he is so good in these movies. Like he's so weird, but he can act his ass off in these. Um Haley Atwell one of the best additions to this franchise we've yeah. ever gotten. I absolutely adored her. I can't believe it took me this long to figure out I was absolutely in love with her. <laughs> um, but yeah, she was, she was so good in this. Um, I like Vanessa Kirby's character. I think she was fine um, in here. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson, I think like Alex Coleman loves her. I think, I think she's fine in this. Um, and, and I enjoyed her again. Uh, does so Tyler make note of time so i can ask this question did we know the ai was the villain or was that a spoiler no i think that was pretty apparent yeah okay so this this movie uses ai as a villain i think this is the least dumb way to use ai i think ai is a fairly stupid villain for the most part um this was this was a good use of it i think as like just a predictive model that's okay so something broke okay great um but just as a predictive model that like a human is using um here you go um a, a human is using just to like be like a better villain i liked that you know i i enjoyed that where the ai is still the villain but it's always a human that's interacting with it and they're like using this plot to move it along i i enjoyed that a lot i don't know the the I... Do I do we want to get the spoilers? Are we wrapped up with like just yeah? Uh, spoilers talk? Oh, before spoilers, real quick, I put this TV in, and I was hoping like I could always like oh, I also put that dartboard in, uh, but I put this TV in, and I was hoping in the background I could always have like the movie poster. Um, clearly, that is unfortunately not the case because it's too high. So that's kind of a bummer <laughs> to see. I never like saw it on screen, but yeah tragic next time um all right let's let's jump into spoilers so uh, as usual if you have not seen mission impossible dead reckoning part one skip ahead i'd say 20 maybe 25 minutes uh we'll have timestamps below as, as per usual but that is your your fair spoiler warning please leave because i'm about to drop a massive spoiler three two one obviously we had the death of ilsa rebecca ferguson's character Tyler and I were talking after the movie. I don't buy it. I don't buy that she's dead. All right. So my friend, so not necessarily that I don't buy it, but my friend texted me like right after and he was pissed. It happened. He felt like it was like a mega disservice to her character. I didn't really care for it. And he felt like it didn't really like matter in the plot, which I think it did um clearly but it more so meant that like Haley atwell's character survives and that was kind of what the plot mattered um but i will say i don't like that they 20 minutes before this they faked her death yeah and then brought her back and then killed her so that just like kind of i didn't really care for that like it, i feel like you could have just killed her the first time if you're gonna kill her 45 minutes later you know um there have also just I, been so many instances in like the Mission Impossible. Franchise. I don't think that's true. I don't think just this where is a, someone takes off a face and like they're not really dead. That's that's. I, fair. Like, I like the mask stuff though. Oh, I love the mask. I, I feel that I okay. Has it not been overused like crazy? Well, no, I really, I really like thing. it. Like that's their <laughs> thing. That's the like thing, that's yeah. like Mission Impossible's thing. Is the yeah. Mask. But I, I will guess. say, I don't think this is this is not a franchise that has an on-screen death and then 
fakes it for like bring this is not a fast x where where gail godot falls off a plane and then is brought back three movies later like they i don't think they're i don't think they're gonna bring her back yeah. I, i'm on the side i don't, I don't think. know Tyler, 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 yeah tyler also brought up a good point that like rebecca ferguson is now being cast in like so many big ips like dune that maybe it was her time to like let go of mission impossible and then obviously the introduction of Haley atwell's character is like, is like there's your replacement. I sing a lot yeah. in company. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think if it wasn't, I'm actually on Cam's side. I, I don't think they'll bring it back. I don't think it's still a franchise to do that. But I do think the death itself was, and I this is kind of what I was I was leading to earlier when I said I didn't like the narrative. One. I think it was very anticlimactic, to be honest. I think, it, I think the, the way they kind of pulled her out, and especially what Cam said, where they faked the death and then brought her back, or not brought her back, but or, or revealed she was alive, I guess, which was kind of obvious anyway, and then kind of killed her off. An hour later or whatever i, I think it was uh i do actually think it was a disservice to a character because i don't it, um Pam just thinks she was fine i actually really really like rebecca ferguson in these film or rogue nation especially i think she was she's she's great um and I, I i don't know man it's it's kind of a weird one i i didn't like the idea i definitely know why they've done it because again like george said it is like the passing of the torch almost to the the side character i guess with, with Haley atwell's character who by the way i also have fell in love with, with yeah that, with yeah that. Yeah, yeah, um, I mean, who but, has it? Well, I, man, I don't know, man. This just came out of nowhere for me. I was like, I, I don't know, I don't know if this is yeah, a hot right, take, mate. but I already think Haley Atwell and Tom Cruise had like better overall chemistry than Tom Cruise and Rebecca Ferguson I, I ever so. did. I think that was the best. Rebecca Ferguson is an actor, so like that's 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 pretty much what it is. Yeah, I guess. Um, I just never loved Rebecca Ferguson's character, and I love Rogue Nation. Like, I, I absolutely adore it. Um, Don't give I, away. I, I kind of do like her character because her character has always just like hovered this fine line of like, is she a good guy? Is she a bad guy? Is she yeah. here for Maybe personal gain? Or, yeah, yeah. yeah like she's that. like morally conflicted, which I like because obviously she's like, it's the same as, as Haley Atwell, though, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, they're, they're both like, like the antithesis of like Ethan Hunt. Like, Ethan Hunt yeah. is there as just like, he's going to do whatever he thinks is like good for the situation where like yeah. Rebecca Ferguson's character and Haley Atwell character are always just thinking about themselves, but they know morally they should be more like Ethan. So I like, I don't know. I've always loved their cat, that character of also just yeah. being like the opposite of Ethan hunt. Yeah. When and it then, happened, it, it clearly was the like big death, but when it happened, I was just like, all right, cool. I don't know. Everyone. Came, I was, which is sick, I liked I mean, her. Yeah. I thought it was so like, Epic, and I think like, that's probably why you like didn't like this movie. I mean, three and a half versus four and a half, you were never going to get there. But like, maybe that's what the difference between a three and a half and a four is for you. Whereas me, who I didn't like uh, necessarily need the death, but if the death really impacted you, maybe it could have been the four. You know, my I, well, I don't think you were here when I said my review. One of my biggest issues was the camera work a lot of the time. I, I heard that the Dutch angles, and yeah, I, I I agree with you completely annoys me. but i think it's because i just learned what a dutch angle was like two days ago like I oh saw you watch marvel all the time yeah. like that's why i don't need to worry about oh, yeah. camera angles because if i become yeah. this director i'm gonna start hating movies i love i never <laughs> i never need to know about any camera work but i learned about that like two days ago from twitter and or not two days ago but two days before seeing this movie and i was like man I hate that I just learned about this. You'll you'll look for it now. I guarantee yeah. you'll look for it. Now. Yeah, Same thing with split diopter. Once once people tell you, what oh, it I is, learned about that on Twitter yeah. the other day. Yeah, yeah. I love a split. This is the I, first. I do know what you mean, Cam. I think it would be the, if sorry, sorry. No, if Rebecca sorry. Ferguson's character had been, because I really like her. If she'd been dealt with a little bit, I guess 
what I would have preferred her, her to go out if she had to die. I think I would have I would have probably raised the movie a little higher because I do like Rebecca Ferguson. Sorry, I'm just watching Cam's camera right now. Yeah, Cam's camera cool. falling right now. <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah, sorry, it's not like her. I was just going to say uh, one of the explanations for the camera work is this is the first movie of the entire franchise that's digital. The rest were all film. So, yeah. yeah so the, the Which I really sense. liked at the start. It was very Brian De Palma, like Mission Impossible 1. You know, for that first hour, especially mm. that scene the smoke where he goes in and, and, and gasses all of them and then he's speaking to, I can't remember what his name is, but I really liked it there. I just think it kind of wore on. that I, I ended up not liking it the further it went on, if that makes sense, because of some of the sequences. But I will say, George, the uh, what was the sequence you said? The, like, the bridge sequence and the sequence before. You know where he's fighting? No, the whole um, sequence leading up to Ilsa's death. Like I thought that was like awesome. Like, like what, Ethan running that? through like the hall of the running through the streets, being guided by like the wrong AI you know, like, the fight inside the the alleyway or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I, the fight inside the alleyway while Rebecca Ferguson's character is in the fight on the bridge. Like I thought that was like really cool. I didn't, so I didn't love the the club scenes we just before that, but I really liked the um the bridge and the the like the yeah. alleyway fight sequence. I think the alleyway fight sequence is actually really good. I really enjoyed that bit. It's so I don't know I. I think I did myself a disservice not having seen Mission Impossible earlier because now you guys know how highly I hold John Wick. I think stylistically, they're the best action movies. I think in terms of storytelling, they're the best action movies. I think in terms of fight choreography and hand-to-hand combat, they're the best action movies. So I, hand-to-hand Cam, combat, Cam, I agree. Cam's shaking his hand. Ahead. I, I, I don't know. Uh, hand-to-hand combat. Hand-to-hand combat, maybe, yeah, I, that's probably fair. But I just think I think Fallout is so much higher, and maybe not so much higher, but I think Fallout is leaps and bounds better than. Yeah, uh, I than disagree. John Wick 4. <laughs> I disagree, but no, yeah. that, I, that, and I think well, it, the, I, the thing I'm getting at is like, I mean, okay, regardless, like the John Wick movies are stylistically. <laughs> Does he have some AI camera that's moving on? No, it's just like yeah, drifts that way. It's like one of those cameras that you have, Tyler, that follows. Is, you. is that yeah, really? my camera? My cam, yeah, my camera. Oh. Like it, it moves with me, and so I'm trying to like get my son to stop holding sharp objects. He's, he's picking up sharp objects, and I'm trying to grab them from him, and it's like, just like pan over. But yeah, like it's as cool, it's a one shot. As cool as like the John Wick, as cool as the Mission Impossible movies are, I think I did myself a massive disservice because like I hold John Wick so highly, it's unbelievable. Um, but yeah, uh, what other massive like plot points or like spoiler things do we want to talk about? Not sorry if anyone else had anything. No, 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 for it. Not, a, not a spoiler at all, but they. I maybe it's because I was I wasn't in the movie world as much when like Fallout came out. Like I loved movies, obviously, but I wasn't like on Twitter every day trying to tweet the latest new movie news, you know. But um, I they just used that uh, that uh, motorcycle jump so much, so much prior to this movie, where the Halo jump from Fallout or the that was, that or, like the, the plane like riding on the plane wouldn't have been something I was involved in because what was that like? 2014 or something or way back way way back before i would have been like super into movie um twitter but it just they just used it so much and i feel like behind the scenes looks at something like that should not come out before the movie like it should come out the the trailer exactly the trailer is awesome like you see it jumps off and then the trailer cuts awesome you don't need behind really the cool yeah, yeah the behind the scenes i feel like should come out now like this movie came out on a monday 
um, it should come out on a, on the Saturday after the movie comes out. You yeah, know, Bill, you've gotten the hype of the people who are clearly going to go see this thing, but um, but it's it's uh, I, I'm trying to think like you're you're trying to build more hype for people who haven't seen it, I guess. And so like you're like, look That's at this big cool move. Hype. Yeah, exactly. And that that was a little frustrating for me. Yeah, I agree. Um, because like I wanted to be there and be like, holy shit, he just jumped. Uh, Awesome. A, a bike off of a mountain but it it, it it was cool but not the coolest thing i've ever seen it was cool ever. but it wasn't like in every mission impossible film i said this more, like earlier we've had something that was like breathtaking and this would have been breathtaking if it wasn't that i saw a million behind the scenes shots and, and and everything beforehand so yeah i definitely agree with cam i think it could have been done a lot better i guess mm. one <laughs> thing and i don't know if maybe this is me maybe like my time perception is off but like the entire sequence leading up to that jump i felt like ethan hunt wasn't in the movie what led up to the jump like what like while um, he like while he was on his motorcycle driving and simon Pegg's character is like telling him where to go we were focused on the train so much and there was a point where i was like damn it? I was like, Ethan Hunt is really taking a back seat for like this good half hour right now while everything on the train like starts to unfold for him to get there. I agree with that, but I kind of liked it. No, no, I, I didn't mind it. It just like in the moment, it like caught me very off guard. Like we just kept cutting back to him very briefly trying to figure out where to go. And then we got back to the train for like 10 minutes straight without Ethan Hunt. And I was like, this is, it was more interesting to me because like I'm surprised Tom Cruise was okay with that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I felt it, the same it, way it, though too because I I remember because like basically it starts like he gets he grabs the bike and you're like oh shit here we go like we all know where this is yeah. going but it took way longer to get there than I initially thought because like you said it cut back yeah. and forth so much but not necessarily that I didn't like that or anything but it was it was interesting for sure but I don't know the big thing for me I just really like is Dead Reckoning Part One took risks you know they killed off characters. Will they stay that way? We'll see. You know, Jeremy Renner wasn't killed off, but it's been two movies since he came back, and based on his yeah. injury, I doubt they'll ever come back. So this franchise has shown in the past they're willing to take a big-name actor and just let them kind of go by the wayside in their franchise, whereas, you know, like, the Fast franchise, even after Paul Walker's death, like, still throws him into some. Like, I think even in the Fast X, I think you might have saw a little bit of him or something, just yeah, a glint, like a flashback. And then, and then, like, John Wick, like, obviously, like... I, it was like what? a flashback. It wasn't like a new it was clip a flashback. Him, it was a flashback. Uh, I'm pretty sure yeah, for sure yeah. he's in it, but um, yeah. So like, it, whereas like John Wick, you know, like obviously everyone knows, like spoilers for John Wick four. Skip four fifteen seconds if you still haven't seen that. All right, you've been warned. Obviously, he dies at the end of that. I'll I'll be very upset if they make a John Wick five with him back in it because that's just like for me, like a franchise that's not taking risks and. I appreciate that they took risks here because like Rebecca Ferguson, Cam, I know you aren't super high on her, but like she's very beloved in these franchises. So like killing her off is definitely a bold play by them. Yeah, I, um, I agree. Yeah. I agree. So uh, we'll see if she stays that way. I feel like since they did the fake out and then showed her death and then had such a long like view of her, I feel like to me that's going to be something that killed off. And like I said, with how Jeremy Renner's been not killed off, but effectively killed off for two movies and hasn't come back because obviously like they were filming this before like his injury would have happened. So like that wasn't the reason he wasn't in this. So I feel like they're willing to let things die, especially because these franchises are so popular that they're able to just always get new people in it. Whereas like, you know, John wick, like, yeah, sure. It has like Donnie Yen and stuff like that, but they don't have like just new a listers, every John wick movie, whereas mission Impossible, I feel like Tom Cruise can just take like the Scientology heads and be like these three people, <laughs> 
contact their their agents and get them in the next movie. I'm not taking no for an answer. Yeah. And then boom, Haley Atwell is now the lead girl of the franchise. So I don't know. I, re- I really enjoyed this. I definitely didn't love it as much as the other ones, but we'll get into the rankings later. Um, in terms of the John Wick four or John Wick versus conversation for me, it's just like John Wick. The movie just got a little bland for me because like they expand the lore every time, but like the movies are all the same. It's all just like Keanu Reeves, you know, running through and kind of just having unlimited plot armor, which this is the same. This is unlimited plot armor for Ethan Hunt, but he does like, it's like, it's a different kind of thing. Like John Wick survives by like taking falls and getting shot a million times, which for me personally, like the way I've watched film, like for me, that takes me out of it. Whereas Ethan Hunt survives by doing a crazy stunt where at least they like do like a different enough stunt each time where I'm like, that's super cool. But Ethan Hunt's never like eating, you know, 18 people shooting him at once, you know, like, like John wick. Um, but both are great franchises. I think they're very different franchises. It makes sense why people are going to compare them. Um, but yeah, for me, I definitely like it at this point, it's probably not that close. I definitely prefer mission Impossible more than the John wick franchise, but, but yeah, so that's really all I have to say about the movie, I mean, but, uh, George, yeah. I'll give you some niceness. I preferred John wick four over dead wrecking part one. So there's that. <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah. I think. Oh, stop, Kev. Stop it. Oh, no. Dead Reckoning Part 1 is higher for me for sure than John Wick 4. I have John Wick 4 over Dead Reckoning by one point, and I think that will change. change Don't change it. No, 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 no. Really? I think John Wick 4 is like After watching this versus after watching John Wick 4, I was definitely more like amped after watching this. And I think a lot of that is. You know what John Wick 4 needs? Hi, bud. I know. John Wick 4 needs a cool dun, 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 dun theme like john wick does not have a cool theme whereas this every time it comes on it's like creed it's like creed playing the rocky theme every time it's like uh it's like uh what what did i say indiana jones, oh, indiana jones playing the indiana whereas i disagree with you but yeah, i agree you with you on this time but i agree with you play now. The, just play the hits yeah, and no, every time they play it it, it just bangs and it's it just absolutely <laughs> awesome play the hits um i will say tyler to your point of um, like they take risk. I feel like this is the only franchise ever in history that as they get more and more movies, they take themselves more and more serious. Like, like you're, you're exactly right. This is the only franchise I would say, like, I don't think there's any chance Re- Rebecca Ferguson gets brought back. Whereas this shit, if this shit were like Transformers, Marvel, uh, Fast X, especially like they're bringing that person back in two movies when they need more money. Like, it's just, to me, this is the only franchise that's still like really trying to take itself seriously. And I'm not saying you're good. You go. I was just saying, can I just ask Tyler? You'll know. How how well do these films usually do? I don't really know much. That's perfect segue, Seth. I was just about to talk about that. These movies aren't major box office players. The peak is fallout at about 700 million. Then Mission Impossible 2 is in second place, like 500 million. Everything under that's like 400 million total worldwide. So this movie's COVID delays made it the budget's production budget alone 290 million. It is underperforming at the box office right now. Um, so it, it's probably going to be like a barely break even, which if you saw my shout out my TikTok, if you saw my box office breakdown with how crazy budgets are and marketing budgets and stuff like John Wick 4 barely broke even. But like you look at the box office, you're like, oh, my God, it made so much money. That's also a movie that barely broke even. This movie's probably going to barely break even. They're ne- they've never been crazy box office stuff. So like everyone who was like, oh, this has a chance to cross a billion was just lost and misguided because never like these have always been like, and um, I can't remember who it is. I think Doug might, might always be like the one who's always saying this, but these have always been like a more niche franchise and like every other franchise. Like these have never been like 
the biggest you know blockbuster that comes out. So um, probably going to yeah, barely break one. even. Might even be a loser. We'll end up seeing. But a lot of it was just with the COVID delays and yeah. So like they because they there's like one of the fun facts on IMDb is like they started filming this movie was initially filmed in Venice, but then that got shut down to COVID. So they just like we're like screw it, we don't need Venice. We'll just move to Rome. We'll film it there instead. Then that got shut down. And then it said Tom Cruise personally paid for a half a million dollar cruise ship for the cast and crew to isolate. Like if any of them got COVID, he would just throw them on that cruise ship and be like, all right, go there until <laughs> the two weeks is up and then come back. And he just had that floating on the coast of Italy, just like the cruise COVID ship. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's crazy that this came out 27 years after the original movie. That's just at this point, like I get it. Like you can kind of say it like a hot take, but it's just simply not like Tom Cruise is like the greatest a- action star ever. I can't believe like people were like saying like Keanu Reeves. Like I like Keanu Reeves a lot, but Tom it's 27 years. And this, it's not like this was the beginning. 1996 was like what? 10 years after the original top gun. So this dude's like, yeah, been like 40 years plus of like just crazy action sequences. Doing this shit. Is a wild dude. And, I love that he's a magician now. It's so funny. I also love that the opening credits didn't come on. They always do this great. The opening credits, I always love Mission Impossible. They always hit so late in the movie, and it's just a banger. Our our episode on YouTube this week is going to have so many comments. Tyler, stop glazing the shit out of Tom Cruise. Dude, he's. I mean, you know, he. Some men put it out, put their lives in the line, and we gotta we gotta respect them. So I I I will say that even though I knew that motorcycle jump sequence was coming, like my heart still like or my stomach still dropped. They do a good thing where they like stop all the sound and all the yeah. They stop the sound and like the camera work. I think is sick because like they follow him from behind. So and then like, like you, GoPro shot. Yeah, so you feel like you're doing it's the same thing with the Halo leap where like yeah. the camera is literally right below Tom. So like you're like right there with him. And it, it and like you said, Seth, like they cut the sound, all you hear is the wind blowing. It's they do a really good job at like truly making you Murphy, feel yeah. like you are in that position. And even yeah. though I knew that like obviously everyone knew that was coming, we got so much footage of it beforehand. My stomach still dropped, and that's that is how good like some of these action sequences or stunts are. What's like, the guy's name again? Is it Chris Christopher McQuarrie? Chris Christopher McQuarrie. Yeah, I mean, you've got to think now. He's, I mean, he did obviously Rogue Nation, he did Fallout, and he's done this. You've got to think he's one of the best people at creating these action set pieces and these stunt set pieces in in film in general right now. It is it is his eye for creating these shots is is. is really 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 brilliant and you know what i wonder though like for for like for like the halo jump or um or this motorcycle sequence or any of these other like massive stunts that these mission impossible movies have done do you think those are like do you think tom cruise goes to the filmmaker with this idea and says incorporate this in your movie somehow or do you think the filmmaker brings it to tom cruise and is like are you comfortable with this? I think Tom Cruise will have a point where he is such a collaboration with a director at this point, whereas it'll be a, a collaborative talk yeah. between them. He'll suggest an idea, the director will suggest an idea, and Tom Cruise will always be open to doing stuff. And because he is the face of this franchise, he doesn't make them, but he's the face, and he they will be a collaborative project, a lot of them anyway. Yeah. That's like, I, I'm just thinking like Christopher McQuarrie like writing this script, giving it to like, Tom... Yeah, and being yeah, like, yeah, yeah, bro, there's one scene where I'm gonna need you to like jump this motorcycle off a cliff and parachute. Like that one had to be Tom's. Idea. I think it's Tom Cruise like suggesting yeah. that. I, yeah. But like Seth said, I, I think it's super. Cl- I think it's super collaborative. Credit. Like, uh, because Christopher McQuarrie, they've collaborated forever. Like, because he's written like it almost did. every Tom Cruise. Like he wrote Valkyrie, 
Jack Reacher, Edge Jack of Tomorrow, Reacher, yeah. The Mummy, the last two Mission Impossible. He wrote Top Gun Maverick. So yeah. they've been working together for coming up on 15 years. So I'm sure it's a very collaborative effort. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm sure there's like moments. I'm sure like he probably has an idea of what the screenplay is going to be. And it's like clearly like, you know, we have the train sequence. We have like a motorcycle sequence. And then they kind of from there, they're like, here's the big action set pieces. What do we want to do? you know, practically like have you jump a cliff or, and then what do we want to do? You know, CGI or something like the train sequence. And I feel like, I th- you know, I, Tom Cruise kind of picks and choose from there what he's comfortable with. Yeah. I think this is where we're giving Tom Cruise a little too much credit of him trying to convince us he's a normal person. I don't think he's coming up with these stunts. I think he just is a madman who's accepting whatever he's given. <laughs> no, I think Tom Cruise has enough enthusiasm. The, mi- the mission should he choose to accept it. I don't think he's coming up with these stunts. He, he's, he, he's a smart guy, but I think it takes a lot more than just like Tom Cruise being like, I want to jump a bike off a mountain. Like, it, it, I don't even think it's Gre- uh, or uh, Christopher McQuarrie, really. I think it, they they probably have some sort of stunt coordinator who's like just scouting locations and trying that, to figure out like, what. Is that actually such a smart thing to bring up? I can't imagine him. Well, I'm just this. saying, I think we're giving him too much credit. I agree. On I, this can't, one. I can't imagine Tom Cruise not having the ability to say, I want to jump off a cliff with a motorbike. Do you know what I, I mean? He's I not guess, yeah. great. They'll be I coordinators. I just think he'll help with the initial idea of what stunt to achieve. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah I personally, I think Top Gun Maverick wouldn't be a movie without Tom Cruise simply because I feel like he was just like, let's do this. Let's run this back. I feel like he probably was going to set that idea in motion. Personally, that's just my thoughts. But yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Good movie. He's there. Fun. Um, real quick before we move on, what's your favorite stunt from this franchise? What's the best, like, Tom? You know, I'm gonna say, stunt? I, I think the haloed lead, you know, I'm the, gonna say, I, I think that is the coolest look. Yeah. I, I, th- I don't know if you were here when we were talking about this cam, but like everything in that sequence from the camera work to like the red lighting mm-hmm. to like the way the camera like makes you feel yeah. like you're the third person there with Tom and Henry, and then Henry dips. And then you're following Tom, and then like you're underneath Tom. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I wish I wish we would have a more diverse list, but I think Halo, the Halo jump, that's basically. just it's the coolest. Yeah, and then even like everything getting down to the building, like Henry Cat, Henry Cavill's character obviously passes out. Tom's doing his thing, trying to like save mm-hmm. him. Yeah, it, that one. whole sequence is. I just- think it's there. I think it's there when like Tom limps off, um, off when Tom like lands and then limps off, right? That's because yeah. he like actually broke his leg or broke his yeah. ankle. No, no, that that's the scene where he like ran. No, different scene, different scene, different scene. What? They, when it, I just this, watched this movie two days ago. I think it's in Rogue Nation. He's like running and jumping to is? another building, and like you, you see his leg like hit, okay. and he still is runs not, off. Is it not in Fallout? It's it's a, maybe it's Fallout or Rogue Nation. It's, it's one of the two. Yeah. But that that's not the the Halo leap sequence. I know. I know. Produces all these films, doesn't he? He does, doesn't he? After he like three, I think, yeah. I thought he did all of them. Maybe. I don't think he had enough money before that, to be honest. No, no, he sure. wasn't like that I'm big of a name. What, um, Seth, is yours the Halo jump also? Your favorite stunt? Uh, to be honest, yeah. And it's a base cancer base. So fucking good, man. Yeah, I probably said Halo. Honestly, for me, it might be the Burj Khalifa climb. Just because, like, that's like the, f- the only stunt in the franchise great, yeah. where I'm like, how did they it's do this? Good. Like, simply because, like, <laughs> obviously all of them are crazy, but like, this is that one I'm like, this is where Scientology comes into play because I don't think anyone, even the biggest star in the world, is able to go to you know the Middle East and say I'm climbing the Burj Khalifa. I think that's where he had to have the puppeteers pull some strings because like 
I don't know, man. That just seems. I mean, like it is a... Tom Cruise. To be yeah, fair, it is crazy, and I know, right, but... I know money. I know, like, like money talks and everything, and you can do anything with money. But it is crazy, like how much shit they've done for this. Like they shut down. I think it was like wherever they were in Italy and Fallout, they basically shut down that entire like city for yeah. three days just to film this thing. It is crazy that they're just like able to do that kind of thing. Um. Just to clarify, Tom Cruise was a producer on every single Mission Impossible, even the first and the second one. Yeah, interesting. Very interesting. All right. Um, anything else you want to touch on for Dead Reckoning Part One? That pretty much wraps it up here. Seth, three and a half out of five. Myself and Tyler, four out of five. Um, Cam, four and a half out of five, and he agrees. John Wick Chapter Four is better. Uh, for now. <laughs> so uh moving on i'm gonna turn it over to tyler so much news this week um about uh the, the the strike obviously and there's just been a lot of questions we're gonna keep this relatively brief we're really just gonna give you the facts just so that you guys are up to speed and aware um uh if you want like more information obviously seek a very credible source even head to twitter tyler's been retweeting a lot of uh, uh good stuff especially if you're a content creator out there and you like are curious what this means for you definitely check out tyler's twitter because he's been retweeting a lot he's been providing a lot of great information so tyler run us through whatever you want with the strike yeah i'll be pretty brief here so basically we know the Writers Guild of America has been on strike for a couple months now, and now the, the SAG Screen Actors Guild has joined them. And a lot of people are wondering what this means. So basically, why are they striking? They're striking because they want fair wages. They want better living conditions and working conditions. They want stuff like AI to not be able to take over their work, which is kind of similar to what we saw from you know the Writers Guild as well. And the studios, you know, being greedy, wanting to keep as much money as they can. Um, this is very similar to, you know, like any professional sports league that has unions or really any kind of union where it's a group of people, you have to be in it in order to work in the industry. And you kind of set a deal with the studios that'll last like three ish years or something. So then once they come to agreement, they're set for three years, no matter how bad the deal is for either side, it doesn't matter. You're locked in. But then once that three years comes up, they'll get back to the negotiating table. And obviously this is the first time since 1960 that they both strike at the same time. So a big thing a lot of people I've or I've seen some people say is like, aren't actors already like, you know, millionaires? Why do they need to be striking? Got to remember that 99% of actors are not the name household name. You think of all the movies you've ever seen where it's either not even just background people, but just like side characters that you've only seen in one movie ever. And you're like, they just have minor roles. All those kind of people like just really don't get much money. Um, a big thing also is residual pay. We've all been seeing stuff be taken off of Disney Plus, stuff be taken off of HBO Max, and then residuals get taken away, which the only reason they take that off is because, you know, every time George rewatches Zack Snyder's Justice League, they're all going to get, you know, a check each month of how many people are watching that on HBO Max. Um, but when you take that off the streaming platform, they're like, haha, look, no one is able to watch it. Therefore, we never have to pay you guys again for this movie. Um, so that's another thing they're striking for. So. A lot of people are wondering what this means for content creators. Uh, everything at this point, information's evolving daily. This is a Saturday morning right now. It could be very different by the time Monday comes around, but it's pretty much just like we're not in the union at the end of the day. We're not union workers. A lot of like 99% of us don't aspire to ever be in the union of the SAG or the Writers Guild. So they can't really expect us to do anything to not post content or anything like that. 
Now, if you want, things get murky if you are a content creator making TikToks and your end goal is to be a writer or your end goal is to be an actor, then maybe you want to take your own caution because I've seen sources, again, nothing's been official. It's all been like, oh, I got off the phone with someone who knows someone in SAG. Like nothing official has come out and they really need to get something official out so we all have better clear guidance. But let's just be honest, people, like, it's writers striking for better wages and actors striking for better wages. Like the content creator aspect for them is just so low down on their priority because it's just not what they're in the business for or working towards. So like what they're not going to really be that worried about it as much as we are, since we are creators. So I would just say, if you are looking to be a writer or an actor, do your own research and due diligence and make your own decision because you're not in the union right now. And so they can't really like hold it against you. If you do work, I will say if you think you want to be an actor and join SAG one day, they're an organization just like anything else. So don't think that just because you're a super good soldier and not posting and doing everything by the book that you're going to get any sort of like special treatment or help getting into SAG one day. They do not give a fuck about you. Like they're, we support the writers and actors, but let's not pretend that you're going to get an easier ride in. If you're going to be like a better soldier than other people, um, so yeah, it's just like, do your own research. Um, you, again, there's nothing legally like every, p- people can definitely keep working. I know all of us have taken brand deals before. None of them have come from actors. None of them have come from writers. They've all come from studios. So nothing's going to change in the content creator side of things. I will say though, I've seen some content creators post and be like, well, we're not union and we're not trying to be union. So there's really no moral issue here. And I will say that's wrong. Like there absolutely is like a morality thing. Which for me, I'm going to keep posting. I think all of us are going to keep posting as normal. Um, but there's definitely a moral issue there. You can't pretend like it's completely away because we are trying to profit off of movies made by actors and writers. So by us continuing to take money from studios while they're trying to fight for better wages, yeah, technically you can look at it in a moral lens that maybe it's not the most moral thing to do because we're trying to profit off these people while also not being in solidarity in terms of like withdrawing our work. But at the same time, we aren't protected by their union anything they're fighting for isn't going to trickle down to us. So I think all of us can agree. We're all like, we want the writers to get paid. We want the the actors to get a better deal. We want better working wages. We don't want AI to be messing up things and uh, being taken advantage of for these people. But at the same time, unless, unless some crazy clear direction comes down, like they can't expect anything from content creators to change. And for us, not especially for us, none of us have aspirations of, being actors maybe one day but maybe some of us want to write a screenplay but we're not like george wants to be batman george George wants to be batman Batman, but none of us are actively working towards it whereas i know a lot of content creators on this app or on tiktok uh want to do that one day so they'll have to do their own research but again like anything educate yourself make your own decision but our stance going forward is like we're on the side of the writers and the actors but at the end of the day it's our jobs and we're going to be continue to work um a lot of good content proposed on TikTok from like movies or therapy is posted a video on it. Uh, Reservoir Dogs is posted a video on it. Straw Hat Goofy posted a wild video on it. So go check that one out. Um, but yeah, that's all we got to say on the strike. Uh, it's There's definitely some moral gray issues. But in terms of like, are you allowed to? Yeah, you're absolutely allowed to keep posting content. And at the end of the day, it's just writers and actors working to get a better deal um, going forward. So we'll see how long that lasts. First time since 1960, they're both striking. The last time that this happened, the president of the SAG was Ronald Reagan. So we know what happened after that. He became president. So we'll see what's in the future for Fran Drescher and the, as the nanny. We'll see if she makes a presidential run after this. But that's all I have. How 
How I don't know if you have an answer, but how long would you anticipate this strike lasting? Haven't people said like six months? What I've read or something. Yeah, the, like the only reason I yeah. ask, the, the reason I ask, and I don't know if this is going to come off douchey or not, but there are so many like massive releases coming out from now till the end of the year. Obviously, Kills the Flower Moon, Napoleon, um, Dune. Dune Part Two. I can't imagine like Denis and Scorsese are going to be like. I know they're standing in solidarity with the actors and the writers, but like they got to be pissed off that like they're not going to be able to promote these movies that already have a massive budget and already don't have wide general audience appeal. Yeah, yeah really I think a lot of people are predicting like it'll be like a four or five months or so, so in the fall. But yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how that all goes down. Like I made a a joke about it on Twitter, like. David Fincher's The Killer is like the least promoted movie of all time. No one's heard any news about it. And now they say they're going to premiere it at like Venice Film Festival, which yeah. this strike probably won't be wrapped up by then. So it's just fitting that The Killer will get literally no press or no coverage until it just like drops on Netflix one day. But <laughs> yeah, we'll see when this all gets resolved. I bet it'll be a while. Like the thing that's interesting for me, which I don't have the right answer for, but no one really cared about this whole morality and all this like are we allowed to post or not when the writers striked? But then like once the actors started striking, everyone started worrying about it. So I found that kind of interesting. Like, I don't know, like the, like basically the actors kept working and weren't in solidarity with the writers. So like now that the writer actors are striking, they're like, Oh, well content creators should stop posting to be in solidarity with them. And it's like, well, the actors were still working when the writers were striking and directors are working when the writers are striking. So just weird. It's a weird time in the movie industry. Hope it all yeah. works out. But um, yeah, it's not going to be anytime soon. I do think like unfortunately writers again got a got kind of shafted in like in the sense that no real traction was going to be made until the uh the <clears throat> until the actors also went on strike um which you know sucks but uh, that's kind of what it looks like and I don't think the I don't think either of them will walk away with a deal without the other ones walking away I'm guessing there will be some sort of like at, it's going to be the same day when both deals get done. So that might take it a little bit longer, but I do think it'll be shorter now that the actors have also started striking than it, and then it could have been before. But yep. fuck you studios. But like, obviously we fuck saw you, like, fuck we, you, Bob Iyer. We saw like six months ago or something like Sydney Sweeney posting saying like, she's like, she did not make as much from the TV shows as you think she does. And she's like, I basically still live paycheck to paycheck and I need to get more movies and TV shows simply to like afford life. And when that came out, obviously everyone was like, oh, boo-hoo. Like, she's like a huge movie star. Like, obviously she's probably making a ton. And now people are starting yeah. to come around and be like, oh, shit. She probably, like, isn't because, you know, like. Yeah. The and it's one of those things where. Like, much, yeah. um, like uh, uh, shoot, what's her name? Rachel Zegler, who starred in a Steven Spielberg um, West Side Story. It's obviously her first movie, so she's not going to make as much as most people. But it's still a Steven, Spiel Jesus. Steven Spielberg movie. It's a huge news. Like she should be compensated for just like how much this movie's gonna bring in or whatever. Um, and and it she took Shazam Fury of the Gods because she needed money and she was like very open about that on press. She's like, I it was COVID, I had nothing. And so like, you know, people are kind of confused on how that happens, but clearly, um, clearly they're not getting paid a ton. Like obviously the big name actors aren't the issue here. It's it's people who are up and coming trying to get paid a fair wage. Have you ever seen, I don't know the the numbers off the top of my head, but I remember seeing somewhere where 
all of like the kids of Stranger Things, what they were paid compared to like Winona Ryder and David like Harbour. One, one Winona Ryder or something. Yeah, right? yeah, it's absurd. It's absurd. Yeah. Um, all right, we'll wrap up our strike talk uh, there. Before we get into our Mission Impossible rankings, we do want to quickly touch on a couple of DC castings. Um, the biggest two, uh, and obviously we're a little late to the party, but we there were a couple that dropped uh, in, in the last week or so, so we might as well just include everyone. Um, the biggest two, David Corenswet has been cast as the new Superman. Uh, Rachel Brosnahan uh, joins David as Lois Lane. We also have Nathan Fillion as Guy Gardner. Isabella, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to pronounce a few of these names Merced, incorrectly. Merced. It, okay, Isabella Merced will play Hawk Girl. Uh, we also have Eddie Gafegi will play Mr. Terrific. I killed that name. You guys better compliment me on saying that last name. I thought it was Edie Gafegi. God damn it. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought you went the softy on both. Okay. Right. All right. Well, either way, I feel really confident about that. That's all right. Uh, and then Anthony, Anthony Carrigan uh, is going to play Metamorpho. Um, personally, um, there's not much I can say on the latter four that I mentioned. Guy Gardner, Hawkgirl, Mr. Terrific, and Metamorpho. I really don't know those characters. I haven't really dived into uh, uh, those graphic novels as much. Obviously, I'm, I'm still very like basic, surface level when it comes to graphic novels. Give me Superman and Batman and I'm chilling. Um, I love the uh, the casting of David Sweat as Superman. Everyone just keeps putting his picture with Henry Cavill's picture side by side. And he literally just looks like a younger Henry Cavill. Not much I can say on his acting ability. The only thing I've seen him in is Pearl. And I mean, no offense, nothing stand out there, but he wasn't like a massive character in that movie. Um, but I trust James Gunn. I think James Gunn historically between the suicide squad and guardians of the galaxy. I think if there's one thing he does very well, regardless of what you think of his movies, I think he casts his movies incredibly, incredibly well. Um, so I have a lot of confidence in him. And then Rachel, Rachel Brosnahan, same thing uh, as David Carnswit. I just don't know her, um, which I personally like. Uh, Seth had sent in our group chat a screenshot of the castings, and he said, I don't know any of these names. And I responded with, that's a good thing. Um, I think it's nice that these are like fresh faces, so like, you'll really see them as the characters. They really have this opportunity to like mold into these DC characters and like become these characters. Um, so Cam, I'll, I'll throw it over to you. Where, what are your yeah. thoughts on all of these castings? Yeah. So the reason I wanted to talk these um, other than just like big uh, Superman castings, um, I, so the, the big news is Nathan Villian get casting as, uh, as Green Lantern, right? But it's also Guy Gardner, Green Lantern. You're not casting John Stewart or Hal, Hal Jordan. Like they're not the big Green Lanterns, at least that most people know. Shut the fuck up. You, no one knows this character. <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to be mean to people on Twitter right now. Nobody gives a shit about this character. I... Nobody knows this character. You're all lying Hold saying on. you care. Nathan Villian has been cast as this character. Hold on. That, that shut the fuck came out of nowhere. I really thought you were talking to your kid for a second. No, no. <laughs> I was like, yo. No, no, no. No, that is like, me to everyone on Damn. Twitter. I, I saw one person tweet like, 
my favorite character has just been cast as to James Gunn's friend. Shut up. Nobody knows Guy Gardner. I, there are people who are fans of Guy Gardner, but I guarantee you there are less than like 20 Guy Gardner comics. So shut up. Like nobody cares about this character. Nathan Fillion, I am almost 100% certain this will be his last movie as Guy Gardner. They're going to they're going to kill him off. He's going to be the emotional death for this specific movie. Uh, Edie Kathigi and Isabel Isabel Merced, uh, I would expect maybe have a little bit more, but I'm almost 100%. You can come back to this pod and yell at me when I'm an idiot, but I'm telling you right now, Nathan Fillion is not the Green Lantern in this universe. He's not Hal Jordan. He's not uh, Jonathan Stewart, who are the two biggest Green Lanterns in the comics. So shut up. It's not that big of a deal. Also, Nathan Fillion, you could you could argue, has the most um, reason to play uh, uh green lantern due to him he was the voice of green lantern through the entire dcau so i'm cr crushing through that right now so he's played uh green lantern in 15 movies so clearly he has some sort of traction everyone's losing their mind he's cast james gunn and tyler you tweeted it like james gunn gets the most hate of any um of any like director ever for just no reason and it's because he casts his friends in like small roles i'm so confident this will be a small role that is just so unnecessarily like tiny and just used for a death i'm confident it's just used for a death i'm calling that calling that now um isabella merced uh playing hot girl she's awesome in in basically everything she does like uh, if you if you watch age of extinction i think she's probably the best part other than like the one guy explaining the Romeo and Juliet rule. Cause why? Cause throw that in, of course. Um, it also, she's Dora fun fact, but on top of that, she's uh, um, she is in a movie called instant family with Mark Wahlberg, which I really, really like. And she's very good in it. Um, and my wife really likes that. I'm getting waved over. So sorry, but uh, Edie Gathigi also in X-Men first class. And everyone always tweets that he's the unkillable character that they killed off. Good job, James Gunn. Good job casting. I'll be, I'll be back. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just crazy, uh, like how like James Gunn just truly can't do anything right. Twitter will just rip him to shreds, like, and it's from all angles. So you have the Snyder cultists who like, if James Gunn posts a picture of like his dinner for the night, like some Snyder person will find be like, <laughs> Zack Snyder would never eat corn with his steak. Like that's, this is that's George. Yeah. This, this, no, no, stop, stop, stop. Don't do that. Don't do. This is what I don't understand. Like. Why are you actively rooting against, like, I get it. I'm a Snyder cultist through and through. He's one of my favorite filmmakers ever. I fucking love him. But, like, I'm never going to actively root against James Gunn. Like, why would you do that? Why do you want him to fail? Then you just have to sit through another shitty movie. Like, it doesn't yeah. make sense to me when, even, like, the Marvel. Films to be bad. That's the like, thing. the Marvel-DC war, I get it. If you're a huge Marvel fan, you don't want to see DC succeed. But, like, at the same time, why would you not want these movies to succeed? That Because you're going to see them. So if they suck, you're just spending two and a half hours sitting through a bad movie. Why would you want that? I, I, it pisses me off so much. I think, fuck everyone. It's yeah, annoying. like, this, the Snyder stuff's just crazy. Because it's like it's not like this is James Gunn, like, directing one movie in the DC universe. And people be like, no, we want Zack Snyder to continue his story. Like, at this point, like, the Snyder universe, like, is dead, gone. It's never coming back. So, like, you just, you just got to move on. But then, like, same same yeah. time... So you got Snyder attacking every Snyder fans attacking everything James Gunn does. Then you have you know the the I'll call him like the snobby movie side of Twitter that just like every day I see some new post about like James Gunn has no technical ability behind the lens and oh James Gunn like uses like CGI animals for cheap ways to get emotion. It's like 
I swear I've never seen every day on my feed any director get just so much hate. Like, we've gone through waves where, you know, like M. Night Shyamalan is a super buzzy director to t- tweet about. Or, you know, let's see. Like, I'm trying to think of other ones I just see often all the time. Zack really, Snyder. Yeah, we, we just talked about Zack Snyder. But, <laughs> well, people – oh, okay, my bad. Yeah, and Michael Bay gets brought up a lot. But, like, James Gunn, I've never seen anything like it where just everyone just, like, wants to just tear this dude down when it's like – and it's just funny, too, because it's like he – a lot of people enjoy, like, even the people who enjoyed the Guardians of the Galaxy movies still, like, want to just, like, tweet about, like, wow, he has, he's no technical ability behind the lens. Like, he's such, like, a, he's such a beginner level director. It's like, just please, like, grass is right outside. Just touch it. <laughs> That's my favorite insult when someone, like, yeah. replies with just like go touch grass like i think that's <laughs> hilarious because <laughs> like i feel like people make jokes all the time about like keyboard warriors but like go touch grass is my favorite one of those keyboard warrior <laughs> for jokes. sure for sure um all right uh we'll we'll wrap it up there before we get into our mission impossible uh ranking if you guys are enjoying this episode so far wherever you're watching whether it be youtube spotify apple um those are the only places you could watch our podcast, I think. Make sure you are liking, subscribing, rate us a five stars. Um, if you want to go above and beyond, drop us a lovely review. Call us beautiful or something. Um, all of that obviously helps push us out to as many people as possible. Um, and also the support is just what keeps us going. So make sure to, to lock in there. But let's get into um, the final part of our episode, uh, the Mission Impossible rankings. Um We'll run through, uh, we'll just kind of go in a circle on like, I, this is my seven, this is your seven, uh, everyone's seven. Um, we'll make it easy for everyone. We all have Mission Impossible 2 in last. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, um, I think I think we got our all in agreement there. Yeah, we're That's all the in bad, agreement That's there. the bad one. So. Yeah, just I, to- I double checked everyone's letterbox ranking. That is like, that is one of the most mutually agreed on like film opinions i've ever seen that mission impossible 2 is the worst mission impossible movie yeah i will say like, for me oh, sorry, go ahead, sorry it's the worst but it's not for me it's not i think i have like a 2.5 i didn't particularly like it and hate it it's not that far away from uh I won't, I won't say but the the next one up anyway for me actually yeah i won't say yeah but it's not that far away it's not like for me the significant worst but it's it's not great. It's it's the only one for me that like truly felt uninspired. Like every other Mission Impossible movie, it looked like everyone was there having like a really good time. This was the only Mission Impossible movie where I was like, this really feels like they're just running through the motions. They tried to rinse and repeat Mission Impossible 1 as opposed to like expanding the lore or like diving deeper into these characters. And that's where I think, and when we get to Mission Impossible 3, um because that's where i like really start locking into the mission impossible franchise um that's the biggest difference for me between like two and three two just feels like rinse and repeating of one whereas mission impossible three feels like okay we're really trying to expand on the characters and the lore here better than mission impossible two did i also Um, think mission impossible two my main issue a lot of the time was i think a lot of the interactions between characters feel very unnatural and bizarre in, in mission impossible 2 like yeah. to the point which is so different from the rest of the franchise um, it's just like bland writing very cool though I, I i don't i did quite like the ending i do think some of the set pieces are cool but it, it is very much a 
a film that I was never loving, and it is rather bland for for, for you know seventy percent yeah. of it. I'll say that. Yeah, well, yeah. they they heavily lean into the romance that one more so than any other movies. Where there's always a romantic element, but uh, Thandwe Newton and Tom Cruise, like this is basically a romance movie for most of it. And there's obviously some people that don't agree that this is the bottom one, but a lot of people are in unanimous agreement, which makes it really funny on Twitter when like I'll see someone tweet like a clip of the final sequence of Mission Impossible Two and be like. Look how like awesome this movie is. I can't believe everyone hates on it. And, like all the replies and quotes would be like, but talk about the other hour 45. Like, why don't you? Because that is a good scene, to be fair. Right. The no, there's great right. scenes. Yeah. And like, um, I, I thought the opening with him climbing the rock, like there's just a madman way to open it. And I thought that was funny. But like an hour and a half of this movie is just like a weird flirtatious, flirtatious romance of him and Thondwee Newton that I never felt was natural. It just felt so forced. And the writing between them two was just really weird but for me it's like by far the least favorite and it's a two and a half yeah, so yeah but we're all in agreement so it's 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 a two for me and it's the only mission impossible movie yeah. personally that sits below a three and a half i think outside of two i think this has been one of the most consistent franchises we have um, but we won't harp too much on mission impossible two so let's get into our number six cam what do you have at the sixth ranked and might, might be a hot take um uh i have mission impossible three at, at number six i do not I, like I mission impossible three too. same here is it oh okay it's <laughs> maybe it's just because like alex alex has like the only rankings i've seen this week i feel like are alex's yeah but when um, alex likes a film he will just say like push that film yes. so hard like exactly. it off like crazy so, he um, doesn't like it that much that's what i feel like alex does i'll say this i think while philip seymour hoffman is 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 great because he's great in everything he does i think he was miscast in this one i don't think or or there was just bad writing i don't think he bad um, writing, not I, yeah no, i think i think, bad I think it's the combination yeah. of both i don't think he plays a good villain in it um i think he does his best because he's a great fuck was his best bro he does incredible because he's a great actor but i do think i don't think he's the best villain no he's not he's not the best villain but he would no no, i'm not saying in this franchise i just don't think he's a very good villain no but that's the writing i that's not him like the entire sequence on the plane where like ethan like almost throws him out of the plane and he's just sitting there all like calm and collected or like when ethan starts asking the questions and he's just like do you have a girlfriend or a Mm -hmm. wife like mm-hmm. that, come on, that's oh, menacing. Ima- imagine, Cam, imagine just, if it was miscast. Imagine the writing with someone other than Philip Seymour Hoffman. I guess I just, I don't know. I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm not, I'm not all, I'm not all about Philip Seymour Hoffman in this one. Like, I love him in almost everything he does. I just, I'm not all about it in this yeah. one. It's a three out of five, or uh, um, I think I have it like a 61 out of 100. Um, yeah, but it's just them. it's it's yeah it's not my it's That's not fair. my favorite. Um, Seth and Tyler, you also have Mission Impossible three six. at number six. Yeah, so I like I liked it. I, I do agree with Kant. I think I really like Philip Seymour Hoffman. He's one of my favorite actors. So I, I just I, I love him because I love his presence. I do think this one and um, specifically the setup for me was a bit bland. I couldn't care much about what was going on a lot of the time. It did have some cool set pieces. I think this one um, from maybe it is from what i've seen i think this one is usually the consensus uh six but maybe it isn't i don't actually i've not looked at other people's ratings but i, I thought people like fake i think it's just one of those films it's got like a small cult yeah, following. yeah, too, yeah. yeah. probably it it's I like think it's, it's like every m night movie no one really likes m night movies they just like, like yeah m. i agree it's like those, like, <laughs> Zack snyder films you know <laughs> 
I, I think that like there is JJ Abrams does his best here, but I just don't think the direction is the strongest suit of this one, to be honest. Um, but I think it's I think it's just a fine um I guess serviceable action film that you can enjoy, but nothing really blew me away. I have it the same as Cam, um, a three out of five. So it was fine. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. Tyler, anything you want to yeah, say? Yeah, so I'm definitely not in camps. I have Philip Seymour Hoffman. I think he's the best acting villain in this movie in, in this franchise, but a lot of people that I think rate this movie high really like don't give enough credit to how bad the writing is. I think his villain from the beginning to the end was written awfully <clears throat> from how he's introduced to how he was dealt with. Just, just not good. There was, I just think the writing was truly bad, but his performance elevated it so much that I was so engaged and I loved him so much, but I really can't get how people rate this movie like higher in their rankings or like top like three. I've seen some people put it in because it's like, He's just such a bad villain in terms of like how he was written. But again, like I think he's probably my favorite performance ever in the franchise. But I can't forgive how he was introduced, how he was taken away. You think he was a bad villain? Interesting. Okay. No, like I thought. Yeah, I thought the writing on his character and his whole arc was just not good. But he was incredible. Um, But yeah. Yes. I don't think he was bad. I do think he was probably one of the weakest villains. I don't think he was terrible. I almost. I almost think for me, I would have rather seen a worse actor in this. Like in the sense, I, I feel like it was just such a disservice to him to to give him this kind of. I, I just think he elevated the film though. Every time he was on screen, doesn't matter how bad the writing is, I thought it was incredible. Philip Seymour Hoffman's just, it's just amazing. He said, "You know what I mean?" So he elevated it for me anyway. But I, I, I would agree, it wasn't the most goats. Um, this is where we we separate. Uh, my number six is the first Mission Impossible. I apologize. What? For- I'm so sorry for all the Brian De Palma stands. I think glazers. I think he crafts, yeah, glazers. I I don't get the Brian De Palma like love, honestly. <laughs> How many Brian De Palma films have you seen? I've seen what Scarface. I've seen Carrie. I've seen Mission Impossible. Blowout. Blow I've seen Carlito. I've that. seen Carlito's Way, but a long time ago. So I'll like refrain I from. That. I do love. Carlito. Yeah, I do need to rewatch that. I also need to rewatch. Um, phantom paradise i've seen that a long time ago yeah it's funny crazy yeah but yeah i i have no hate towards brian de palma i just think it's like such a weird discourse around him but again i give this movie a three and a half out of five i think everything after mission impossible 2 or everything excluding mission impossible 2 has been very solid i think this is a really cool introduction to this you know imf world to this character of ethan hunt to this franchise um obviously there's the iconic like coming down from the ceiling scene which i I think is crafted very well i think this movie sets the tone for the entire franchise very very well but on the same time it's just the most 90s action movie i've ever seen and it's just like it's so cliche it's so predictable it's like it's very like at times corny and i hate talking about this movie like that because it is a 90s action movie like that's just what comes with that era of action i think um but no i have no animosity towards this movie i think it's very very solid um and then moving into and i'll just continue my to my number five because you guys are all already talked about it i have mission impossible three at number five pretty much agree with everything you guys said i don't think i dislike the villain as much as you do i do think he's very poorly written but again i never think these movies are here for the villain i think the villain is just kind of like a plot device to give ethan hunt cool shit to do um and for what it's worth i think 
uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman played the villain very, very well. Those two scenes I mentioned earlier, the countdown scene, as well as the, you know, do you have a girlfriend? Do you have a wife scene? I think just is acted really goddamn well. Um, so yeah, I have Mission Impossible at six and the Mission Impossible three at number five. Um, I will so say, I thought my reaction then, I didn't think you'd have it at three and a half. I thought you'd start lower. No, so I, I think you would say you'd have Mission Impossible like a two and a half or a three. So no, three half, I like fine, I've right? really liked these movies. I really yeah, have. I think um, you were lower than them, I think. That's why I was shocked that it was that low because I thought you were gonna say like no. a two point five or something. I shit. think I mean I think I, there was also a benefit of not having seen these like when they came out on release, because I think for the last like three months, as like I built up like telling everyone I'm gonna be watching like these Mission Impossible movies, everyone just kept saying like don't expect like top tier writing really until like rogue nation or fallout, like go into these movies and just have a good time with the action. And that's exactly what I did. So I think just going in with that mindset, like really helped me because I wasn't expecting like these top tier narratives. And even so, I think the story like works across these movies, except for like mission impossible Two, really. Um, but yeah, I, I don't hate any of these movies, like even mission impossible Two, I rate low, but like, I don't hate the movie. It's not good, but you know, for what it's worth, it's enjoyable. So yeah, I got Mission Impossible at six, and then Mission Impossible three at five. Um, you guys, let's get into your number fives. Uh, Tyler, what do you got at number five? Yeah, number five for me, I have Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. And uh, reading through my review, honestly, like I don't know, it feels weird putting it this low. It's kind of like what you're saying. I really do enjoy all these movies, so it's not really like knocking it. I think the big thing is. Like the Burj Khalifa scene, like we mentioned earlier, I love that. The the whole Kremlin scene in the beginning, I really enjoyed that as well. You got Jeremy Renner being added in, which I didn't love. But the big thing for me is I've really binged these all back to back to back. And I never felt that any of the first few movies had good villains. Like I thought Philip Seymour Hoffman was close, but like I didn't like the writing. And then Ghost Protocol was the same thing for me. I was like, ah, this movie just needs a villain that I care about or that's compelling enough to really put her over the edge. But other than that, like now that I'm like kind of remembering ghost protocol, I really like that movie. Like just thinking about that whole Kremlin opening and the whole Burj Khalifa, um, Simon Pegg being at, like, I, I really love a lot about this movie. It's just the villain held it back for me. Yeah. Uh, either Seth or uh, Seth, oh, yeah. what's your number five? Yeah. Uh, for I, mine, you. Me, you. Okay. You, uh, you. Mine is ghost protocol as well um i think uh, yeah i think ghost protocol is good I, I have the exact same issue as tyler i think the motivation for specifically the villain in this one were there but i just didn't find him that intimidating or that um alarming of a presence i think there's some really cool set piece especially with the Burj Khalifa. i really like the location some of the narrative points here and there i was like okay um you know that's a little bit bland they played a little bit safe there but I think it's a uh, the introduction. This was the introduction of Simon Pegg, wasn't it? Or was that the one before? No, no, that was three, wasn't it? The introduction three of was Pike. the introduction. But this yeah, is and then four, he had like a little bit of a yeah. more involved role. I, I guess. think this is his first, like, he's in the franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, I loved that. And I think it's so funny to me. It's directed by Brad Bird. I just think that's hilarious. Like, he's such a fucking random guy. Yeah. He did a really good job on it because some of the set pieces and sequences in this one are great, especially the ending I really liked. Um, I've got this at 3.5. Uh, but yeah, it is my um, my five. Yeah, my five. Um, my five is the original Mission Impossible. Uh, I am in the belief, so a three and a half out of five or a 74 out of 100 right there. Um, I'm in the belief that like the original three Mission Impossibles are just not like 
in this franchise, like just a different <laughs> franchise. They take such a turn once it starts like going away from the numbers and going to, in my opinion, it like the styles change of how, how they're presenting themselves. I do think this is the best of the original three. Um, everyone loves to freak out like Brian De Palma um, directed this one. And people like to like freak out that like he has a style in this that like you wouldn't get. And, and anyone who has this one as like number two, they get it. Like I see that on Twitter a lot. Uh, I, I think it's fine. Like, like, um, like George said, it's a very nineties, uh, it's a very nineties action movie and that's great for some. It's just, I'm not a nineties action guy, I guess. I prefer what we're getting now with like the insane John Wick. In, sure. The <laughs> insane fight choreography and like the fast pace, like action sequences. Like I, I just prefer what we're getting now, I guess. Um, but I, I enjoy this movie a lot. I still think it's like a, a good movie. I just don't love it as much as the rest, I guess. Yeah. All right. So now we'll get into our number fours. Uh, my number four, I got Ghost Protocol. So um, do I. So we can just yeah, yeah my, we could just yeah. tag team here. Yeah. I don't. Um, yeah, I completely agree with you. Where like the first three Mission Impossible movies just don't feel like the same franchise, and Ghost Protocol is like really where it takes that turn. I think the tone completely changes um, to where this feels more. I don't know. The, the the stakes feel higher. There feels like there's a higher sense of urgency from Ghost Protocol on. Um, am I bugging out? No, I'm not bugging out. Okay, I was gonna. I was about to talk about Rebecca Ferguson, but that's not till Rogue Nation. Rogue Nation. Um, but yeah, like completely agree with you, Cam. Where like Ghost Protocol on feels like a very different franchise and that's for the better in my opinion i think it really starts to get grounded i still wish that like and again i think i did myself a disservice by not having seen these movies before seeing the john wick movies mm -hmm. i wish these movies expanded on the lore like of the imf world more i feel like it's just been like very like bland like we don't know much about the imf other than it's the impossible mission force. Ethan Hunt gets a briefcase, opens it up, mission there. Like I just wish there was more depth to this lore and this like world of like spy assassins or whatever. Cam? Uh, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I kind of like that it's this mystery force almost. Um I love the addition of a uh, Jeremy Renner is like secretly one of my favorite actors. I don't think he's like one of the best. And that's probably a lot to do just with Hawkeye and the fact that I really like a bow and arrow. Um, but also I think he's great in Wind River. Um, a big bow and arrow guy. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I love Orlando Bloom. Like, please, don't, please don't go pull out a bow and arrow. I'm begging you not to oh do this. No. Right. I don't think that's yeah, not a prop, right? Like it's a true hunting. Yeah, weird thing about me is I'm a big bow and arrow guy. Um, but do you hunt or do someone? you just go to like archery range? I or have do you kill someone like George? Um, I've hunted once in my life. Um, I sat there for four hours and didn't didn't get anything. Um, didn't even see anything. Um, and I'm now not a hunter and kind of anti-hunt because i like animals a lot um but Cam, cam's uh, out there playing the most dangerous game because he doesn't want to kill animals I used to, yeah i used to like shoot like in the back of my yard i it's, it stemmed a lot from like the green air oh i don't know I, yeah big big arrow guy um but but beside the point i really like jeremy renner um and i think he's great in this i really like like now that 
this is kind of where um uh, luther and like benji become like a part like a, like i said i feel like this is just a different franchise after the first three and i really enjoy where it goes so i have an 84 out of 100 four out of five um yeah it's 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 one of my favorite action movies like i i think all the rest of these four that we're going to mention are yeah seth what do you got at the number four spot yeah i don't really need to speak about this one because we just spent an hour so you can write it my four is uh dead reckoning part one um yeah good film uh 3.5 for me uh but yeah that is my four i don't really obviously we don't need to speak about that at all but yeah dead reckoning part one is my four tyler number four yeah, number four for me is the original Mission Impossible. And I will say, so like two through five or like in my rankings, not like the Mission Impossible movies, like my second best to like the fifth best are all real neck and neck. <clears throat> so not big differentiators here. I I guess I'm one of the people that glazed Brian De Palma. This is still stylistically my favorite of the series. Um, and I think I just, so I started watching this franchise for the first time ever a month ago. No clue what to expect. I just thought it was going to be, you know, you know, classic, you know, action franchise, spy thrillers. So when like it started with like, the elevator scene where a dude's like eye gets impaled and there's some gnarly like graphic deaths, I was like, whoa, buckle up. Okay. I was not expecting this at all. Like getting graphic deaths like that. I thought it was going to be more like a blockbuster family friendly action franchise. But like immediately, like 10 minutes in, you just get some gnarly deaths. Um, and still, like, even though the action set pieces get bigger and better every movie, Something about the scene where he just repels down into like the bank or into the vault thing still had me holding my breath harder than like anything else that really has been done. Like the sweat dripping on his glasses. I love that whole scene so much. It really lived up to the hype. And I don't know, like the, the helicopter going in a tunnel. Like it's just this was just such a crazy debut for an action franchise. I feel like they just did so much craziness um, that just wasn't like so many cookie cutter spy thrillers wouldn't do. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was an absolute banger. And obviously, like this was the first one to have. The iconic score, which, you know, arguably is top five most recognizable scores of all time, where this is one of the few scores that people who have never seen a Mission Impossible movie ever would like recognize the theme song. So a lot this of things might are be a super about question. Did the did the TV show not have the theme then? Or was that introduced for the films? I actually did. This is, I'm today years older and there was a TV show. I honestly didn't know. Yeah. That's what it was, no, no, the films are based off a TV show. Yeah, I'm, I knew I'm that, but lost. I have no clue anything about them. Other oh, than yeah. They, then probably, they, probably they, they, the, I would bet, I would guess that I would bet the theme. Would I think be it's like a sixties. It was like a long running TV show that came out in like the sixties or seventies, but I don't know if the theme song was in there. I don't know if it was introduced to for specifically the films. I'm not sure. I, I never watched it. I just know it was based off that anyway. Sure, a quick Google can answer. Yeah, it, we're looks, not it looks like that. the the theme nah. for Mission Impossible is the same theme from the TV series. What it's looking like, maybe, um, but still the same thing. Like that, it's it's Either one way, of the most iconic and recognizable of all time. Yeah, it it, it slaps. It does slap. All right, moving into now, we're getting into our top three. Um, I got Dead Reckoning Part One at number three. Like I said, I think this movie, and obviously we won't, I won't harp on it long since we just did an entire review. I think this movie has some of the best Mission Impossible uh, like scenes, sequences, action stunts, um, but the narrative just falls a little flat for me. The whole AI taking over the world, I don't know, it just didn't land with me as much as I think it lands with other people. Nonetheless, top tier Mission Impossible movie, really solid action film, and that's my number three. Uh, Cam, what do you got at number three? Yeah, George, you and I are just like, 
the smart people. Um, but <laughs> it's also also my number three, 88 <laughs> out of 100. I think from here on, we'll probably be pretty. Yeah, most uh, likely. <laughs> pretty similar. But yeah, it's my number three. We talked about it for an hour, but 88 out of 100. It's great. I really enjoyed it. Tyler, what do we got at number three? Number three for me is Rogue Nation. Um, so the syndicate oh. was starting to get to the point of a villain. I really w- was enjoying but it wasn't quite there yet but it was definitely on the right track the syndicate was solid um rebecca ferguson i absolutely loved her loved her addition to this and um read my review i'm just reminding myself of like because it's you know when you watch them all back to back to back they kind of blend together a little bit but that underwater scene that talking about holding my nuts. breath for a scene that was just nuts oh, was the, so good. the fact that that was also i mean i mean is it really surprising like, of course like tom cruise actually was holding his breath underwater for that whole scene just just this dude's a madman, proves it every movie. And yeah, it was just like, again, similar to what I said with Ghost Protocol. If this had a better villain, this would be like a 4.5 star <laughs> film for me. Um, but the villain just held it back a bit. So it's a 7.4 out of 10, meaning it's right almost close to a four star. But yeah, the, the action sequences were just crazy. Rebecca Ferguson is incredible. The syndicate was solid. Just wanted a little more. But yeah, really, really liked Rogue Nation. Awesome. Seth, you're number three. Yeah, so I have the original, obviously I'm Brian De Palma fan. I think, so for me, this one, I kind of like a lot of these kind of, I guess, more minimalist sequences, such as the propelling down sequence. And I do think it's it has this unique charm. Um, 90s action is one of those, like it does fall very into that that play, whether you like them or not. I know some people don't, um, like George said, it's not really his thing. It is, it is mine. Um, and I just think it, it is kind of executed just so well. It's it, The camera work is... In my opinion, some of the best of the series. I think it's phenomenally well paced to the point where it's just con- continuously entertaining, and it's this development into this character um, and into this kind of world that I really, really enjoy. Um, it's certainly, you know, not my favorite. I think I actually thought all of us would have the same top two. I'll be honest. Um, so that is interesting, but I just think it's kind of a delight. It's it's charming. It is cheesy, but delightfully so, in my opinion. And yeah, I just think you know, if Brian De Palma directs something, well, actually. I haven't seen all of his films. I've only seen like 10, 9, whatever, but I usually tend to like them just because I think he's a genius behind the camera. Um, but yeah, so this is my three. I have it at a four out of 10. Uh, four out of 10? Four out of Yeah, that would be crazy at three. Uh, I have it at mid, mid-franchise. 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 Four out of five. Four out of five. Yeah. All right. And um, top two, um, my number two, Rogue Nation. Cam's number two, two Rogue, Rogue Nation. Nation. Rogue Nation, uh, <laughs> Rogue Nation for me though is like is a ninety four out of hundred. It's sitting right at that five star mark, uh, but it's four. Really, I fucking love Rogue Nation. Wow. I didn't. I you know Ty, Tyler disappoints me here having it at a three, but it, it's still it's still very high. I, I think I might change three point five. I thought this was great. I, I absolutely great. love Rogue Nation, man. And this it's it's it like falls it folds right into. Uh, it folds right into Fallout as well, and I think they just keep that incredibleness and then go an echelon above with Fallout. Um, but it's just, I think it's awesome, man. I, I really do love it. I, I like Rebecca Ferguson. Like I said, I like her a lot in this first one, um, but I do think um, Jeremy Renner, again, kind of steals the show in this one. But, uh, do you Tom not like Cruise Sean is- Harris as well? I love Sean Harris as a villain. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I do. I like, uh, is that, what? Who, what's his name? Um what who yeah who's sean harris again i know i know one with the funny voice the english guy yeah um is that not and i'm completely blanking because i I, yeah solomon is that solomon lane 
Yeah, Solomon. Okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot. I'm, I'm blanking. Lying. I did not rewatch these, so I don't remember them perfectly, other than Fallout. Uh, but Solomon Lane is so damn good, and I like that he's used and Fallout as well. Like that he kind of that feels presence, like, isn't he? Yeah, he that, that. I love it. Yeah, exactly. It feels like it's a connected universe at this point, or a connected franchise, I should say. But yeah, really love Rogue Nation. Also, I love the idea of like there's just like these rogue agents out there that you gotta. Like everyone's got to find or whatever. Um, yeah, huge fan of that. Right. Yeah. Tyler, you're the only one without Rogue Nation. Number two, what do we got? Yeah, that's where I have Dead Reckoning Part One. Um, again, we we talked about a lot. I just really think Haley Atwell's edition. I really really enjoyed. Palm Clementine was incredible, and I really think the, to me the hand to hand combat was the peak of this franchise so far. Um, but yeah, looking back at my other reviews, it looks like it's not as many incredible like iconic moments that I can remember, but. Yeah, we talked about it long enough, but yeah, it's number two for me. Um, if I rewatch the franchise, it might shift around a little bit because I think I am a little lower on Rogue Nation and Ghost Protocol than I should be. But uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed Dead Reckoning Part 1. I was eating every second up when I was in that theater. And then number one across the board, we all what have... a surprise. <laughs> we, we all have the same number seven and we all have the same number one. Everything in the middle gets a little jumbled, but Mission Impossible Fallout. Um, I think we all have this at a four and a half out of five, except no, Cam, I think, has a five out of five. Four, Tyler, five. Tyler's a four for you? Okay. Well, either way, it's number one for all of us. Um, for mm. one of us, it's one of the greatest action movies ever. For two of us, it's a very solid action movie. No, no, take that back. For two, right. for two of us, it's one of the I best. Said, I, I mean, for me, it's one of the best action movies ever, too, actually. so mm-hmm. I, I said, the first thing I said, and I don't say this to Cameron a lot, because Cameron is a franchise guy and I'm not. The first thing I said, I messaged to the group chat and I said, Cam, you were fucking right on this. <laughs> Genuinely, so good, no argument for me. Or yeah. I think this is one of the best action films of easily this century so far and possibly yeah. ever. I think it, it works. It's it's perfectly executed. And I think on another watch, this could be a five for me. I think it's that good. I think well, I was about five. to ask. I was about to ask. You just said it's perfectly ex. So what right now, what's holding it back from a five out of five for you? I so when I when it comes to action, there is always things that I, I don't love. I think the film is perfectly executed in itself, but I, I just have a thing where action where I, I doesn't push the boundaries. And for a film, for me to give a film on a five, I, I guess on first watch, I need to have where I love every single second. And I think Fallout is perfectly executed, but there is a a, a, a few duds in the, in the mold sometimes. But I think as an action film, this is as an action film of this ilk. It's about as much as I can love it because it's like. Okay, for example, when I watched Dune for the first time, I said that I thought Dune was one of the best sci-fis of this century, but I gave it a 4.5. And that's not me giving it disrespect because I haven't got any other sci-fis this century at a 5. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And with Mission Impossible 4, I haven't got any other action film, all-out action film. There's only two action films I have ever at a 5-star. So me giving this a 4.5 is kind of the biggest compliment because they're not my kind of sort of films. And I think Fallout is, is one of those films which could be that in the future because I think it's that good. I think it's really, really good. Really yeah, that's. Uh, I think I think Fallout is, like I said, narratively, I've never like thought there's anything special about the Mission Impossible movies, but this is the one movie where like I genuinely like love the story. I love the character work. Um, it's like just one of the most like it can be so endearing at times between Ethan and Ilsa as well as Ethan's ex-wife. Um, I think the chemistry of the group between like Simon Pegg and Luther is just at its best in this movie. And again, the movie, the story is just compelling. Dead Reckoning, I don't think like the entire AI 
you know, story that we got was the most engaging thing. The thing that really held me on to Dead Reckoning and the reason I loved it as much as I did was because of the action set pieces and our characters. Fallout was just like the perfect compilation of everything, of yeah, Mission Impossible. Everything. Yeah. Like, I think Mission Impossible 3 excels with its characters and its villain. I think Mission Impossible... Uh, you know, four and five excel with their stunt work. Pieces, I think Mission yeah. Impossible one excels in its storytelling. Mission Impossible six just excels in all aspects there, and it that, takes it just, every element and and, and excels. Yeah, on and just building. works so well. And then obviously the Halo mm -hmm. leap is just like when, it, when I saw that for the first time, I was like blown away. When I, I saw like, that, I don't know about you, George. I was like, why didn't I watch this in a cinema? Yeah, I like everything. Oh my god, like the shake. I honestly, that scene, it's the shaky camera. It makes you feel like you are the third person it's there, so and it's just it's so, so goddamn good. Um, Tyler, what do you have to say about Fallout? Yeah, this is this is probably going to go up on rewatch for me as well. I'm, I'm the same thing as Seth in terms of I'm never like we, we know this for sure on the podcast. I'm not a big pure action film guy, but this is about as good as you can really get. For me, I've always found the romantic element weird in these movies because he obviously has his ex-wife who's like in hiding and he kind of they broke up because he wants to protect her. So, but then like he has kind of like gets like horny for kind of all the new women that join every franchise installment. <laughs> So it's like, it's weird because it's like, I get it. You can like have an ex-wife or ex-girlfriend, like be like, you know, respectful to them and have a love for them in a different kind of way. But since the circumstances in this is like, like he clearly would like love to be with his ex-wife. Like he want like in a perfect world, like they're together and like happy, but he's just doing it to protect her. So I always found, and like this one kind of brings her like back in a little bit to the fold. So I always found it kind of weird. Like I was like, ah, it's just weird. Like with like Elsa and like them kind of like, you know, having a little will they, won't they, while also like his wife is like in hiding but like coming back and i was like that's the only thing that like made it weird for me but everything else i love like henry cavill like incredible i think it's funny when this was filmed everyone's like oh why is henry cavill like having to ruin like some dc shoots because he has to have a mustache for a mission impossible movie and then the movie no, came out and everyone's that, like oh yeah this is this deserved it yeah this is one of those where i'm so happy they stood their ground because henry cavill has never looked better in in a movie than with their with his mustache. yeah he rocks like, a good mustache yeah, exactly. And, I think you could and rock anything at this point, though. I like probably could. I saw I saw a tweet that I completely agree with, and I think is hilarious. And it's like if you look at Henry Cavill's filmography, he's in some of the shittiest movies, and then all of a sudden, one of the best movies of the 21st century, <laughs> just because fucking is like he comes out of nowhere in this thing and is the best part of this movie. It, it gets memed for the shirt pocket and gets memed for like everything else but that is it, quite weird though i didn't notice it, that it's quite odd yeah him, like him loading his gun or his arms coolest <laughs> thing ever coolest thing ever like i i, I tweeted like that no matter what tom cruise does it will never be as cool as henry cavill just cocking his arms in the bathroom <laughs> it's it's so awesome and i i can't like i can't hype this movie up enough like i well i will talk about it in the best of light no matter what everything about it to me is incredible i don't know i don't know what takes it from 100 to a 96 it's just not a 100 movie but it's so fucking good man and give it 100 give it yeah, 100 coward i can't i can't just give everything hundreds but it's so fucking good and it's the only one that i rewatched because honestly i i just needed to watch it again um i might I, watch it again like this week man I, yeah I, the halo jump is incredible um, Tom Cruise did break his ankle in this one when he was jumping building yeah. to building. It wasn't the halo jump, but I did look that up. 
just so good. I'll talk about it all day, but you guys went into it. Uh, it's just, it's as good as, I think it might be my highest rated pure action other than seven samurai. Um, Cause I, I guess I have them at the same exact score, but T2 is also a 96 out of hundred, but I think I would prefer this to T2 as I would rewatch it a little bit more. Um, just Doesn't the letterboxd average surprise you 3.9. I thought it'd be in the fours for this one. Do you know what I mean? No, yeah. I swear on letterboxd, all the best movies have a 3.9. You, you know what? George? I swear That's to God. Good point. There's a lot of great films with a 3.9 and a 3.7. Really? I think there's a lot. It's of a great. lot of four stars. It looks like, so that's kind of, like it's a whole lot of four stars. So I think the average consensus, I guess, is a four star. Like it's doubled every other score. 120K yeah. four stars. So I don't know. All right. Well, general so consensus good. Fallout is the best the Mission Impossible franchise. Before we wrap up our episode, let's just run through quickly what have we been watching this week? Um, Seth, want to kick us off? Yeah, I've watched a few things this week. Uh, I watched three Rob Schneider films. Uh, they were fucking like I can't tell you how bad they were. Um, oh, George, I watched Threads, which obviously is the film that Marta said was was darker than Come and See, and and, and oh like, yeah, I put that Great. on my watch list. No, 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 George. So that's actually based where it's literally where I live. Um, it's film where I live. It's set where I live, and it's it was worse than Come and See. It made me feel. Oh Jesus, horrible. that's the one about like the nuclear holocaust, right? And it's because right. it's, it's the, the reason why it's so scary is because it's not beyond the realms of, of, of probability. You know, yeah. it, could, it could happen in the near future and it's it's horrible, but it's a fantastic film. I watched um, uh, I watched oh, the Mayorowitz Mayorowitz stories. Mayorowitz, yeah. Mayorowitz, yeah. Uh, that was really good. Really, really liked that. I think that was brilliant. Um, really surprised me as well because I usually go into Netflix originals with a little bit of... Um, you know, less anticipation because it's a Netflix original, but that was really good. Uh, I watched a couple of I watched a couple of Bergmans, which were great. I watched um, The Empty Man. Obviously, we'll go over that um, on our Patreon review. And then I also watched uh, Your Next, which George recommended. Um, it was good. I gave it a three point five. There was some cool, cool, cool kills. There was some really in- interesting shots. Um, but it was horror comedy, George. I have to say, it was horror. Comedy. I mean, I don't think it dips into the comedy as aggressively as, like, say, like a Ready or Not or like a Smile. No, you know? no, no, it's there's. I think there's just like a few like um, the way the kind of villains act in it. Yeah, Rocky, I guess. Uh, but it was good. I, I I had a good time with that. Um, and then obviously the Mission Impossible's. I watched the Fallout and Rogue Nation and the the um, fourth one last week as well. Yeah. Um, I also watched Steven Spielberg's only ever horror film. Uh. Fucking terrible! Don't ever watch it. It's awful. I give it a one star. It's terrible. What what movie? It's called Something Evil. Oh, heard of it? No, no. It's his first ever horror film. At first, I was like, I was like, I don't know if Close Encounters of the Third Kind is a horror movie, and don't disrespect that movie. No, no, Close Encounters of the Third Kind is a good film. Yeah, that's like Um, science fiction thriller. I was like, is that the horror movie? So I was trying to like take off loads of filmography, uh, directors' filmographies, you know, for videos and stuff. Uh, like I watched a, a few Scorsese that like earlier in his career, but it was 1972. I think it was a TV film, and he did a horror special, and it it's really not good, like at all. It's not Steven Spielberg. It's it's bizarre. Um, but yeah, it's a, kind of about it this month, this uh, this week. Just a couple of things here and there. All right, Tyler, what do we got? 
Yeah, so last Sunday was my busy day for working, so that's why you know you, I watch four comedies in one day. So anytime, if anyone follows me on Letterboxd, you just see me start logging a shit ton of comedies. It means I'm working on my computer and I have movies on the side. I'm just watching. So I watch Horrible Bosses Two, Click, Impractical Jokers the movie, and Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny. All Tenacious back to back D to back. To back. <clears throat> Very funny movie. I watched it like when I was way too young, and then I, I was like, oh, I'll rewatch it. The cock push up is just uh, legendary. It- I love that scene. Yeah, it's so, so funny. funny. One of the greatest athletic feats ever captured on film for sure. Um, I watched the two ter- Terminator movies because I just like finally needed to get to those. And it's just like stupid how much I love those movies. Like Terminator 2 like instantly, immediately became one of my all-time favorite movies. Like so good. Really? Yeah. I love Seth, it. Seth, if you if you fry this when you watch that movie for the Real Talk collection, I will never forgive you, you ever do, again. Guys, that will probably, you said it was all action. I just went on about Fallout, but still getting 4.5. <laughs> it's probably going to happen. I'm sorry. Yeah, we'll see. But Although, I, you were lower on, we the, have you were low on the Terminator, um, Seth, and so was I. So uh, like, it was a huge jump up. What, on the first one? Yeah. So damn good. I think the first one was 3.5. I think it was fine. Yeah. Um, I didn't love it. But I, 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 got, I, got, I got to really look at like my like pure action movie ranking. Like I, I don't know how that would stick. Because I think Fury Road is probably my number one. But I really that, don't That'd know. be up there for me. But yeah. That, I guess you would consider that pure action. Movie. Yeah, I would that's consider that pure yeah, action. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that'd be up there for me as well, actually. I will watch them soon though, because I, I do quite need to watch Terminator. To be yeah. Fair. yeah, Terminator Two is just so damn good. Um, I watched Eurovision Song Contest twice this week, just a comfort movie of mine. Been still crossing off the Love, Death, and Robots uh, episodes. Hell you know, yeah! How many episodes are there? Jesus, man, you've been there's probably like great. fifty. I don't know. There's there's a lot yeah, of there's a, good, there's, a, there's a good chunk. Um, let's oh. see. Finish off Nolan's filmography of following an insomnia. I actually really liked insomnia. I know a lot of people t- tend to have it lower in his rankings, but I really liked I it. It's it. like it was it was more straightforward than most of his movies. But I mean, it's Al Pacino and Robin Williams, so it's like no matter what script you give them, it's going to be a compelling movie. Yeah, um, and he was like a porn, wasn't he, Chris? It's like a it's a, obviously a, an adapted thing from a different film, so it's like you right. can't really. Oh, he's been on it, I guess. But I, yeah, I liked him something. I think it was pretty good. Yeah, like because I looked up that afterwards, and it sounds like basically like he had no intention of making this movie, and it was like he's like early in his career in the studio. Was like, hey, here's your script. You're making this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, then uh, watched uh, the Psycho reboot because um, I've, I've watched all the Psychos now because I watched Hitchcock, which is a movie with Alfred, or um, it's a movie about the making of Psycho. So I watched that. Yeah. I watched all four original Psychos. Watched the Psycho reboot with Vince Vaughn. I really like the remake, honestly. Like, obviously, it's nothing towards near the original. It's basically just a shot-for-shot remake. But like, uh, who was who's the guy that I really liked in it? Um, well, Vince Vaughn. He, he's no Anthony Perkins, but he's like was really interesting. And I really like William H Macy as the sheriff. Like, he's because obviously I just really like William H Macy. Yeah. And then Danny Elfman like reworked the original score, and I thought that was really great. Um, and then, is there is yeah. is there Viggo Mortensen in that one as well? Is that that one? Yeah, he's the like scene? the original guy who's like with uh, oh, okay. L- L- Miss Crane or whatever is like her boyfriend or whatever. Um, so yeah, really stacked cast kind of crazy. Cause uh, Anne Hetchies who plays the, the main woman. Um, but yeah. And then the tree of life, like instantly, like just like blew me away. That movie's like, Did you watched that this week. I didn't even see your review. Yeah. I gave it a 9.8 out of 10. That's one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life. And like, I couldn't stop thinking about it. Wow. I was just blown, blown away by that movie. So, um, so good, so good, and then uh, yeah, I can see why you do it. Oh, definitely, I get it. Yeah, and the only other thing, well, I guess I mean, watch the Empty Man. Then I watched The Hunt yesterday, which Cam gave a three star, which I just found not not the Mads Mikkelsen one, The Hunt from twenty twenty, which is, worried, it's a Blumhouse. I saw that film. Bad. I saw that log, and I was like, "Yo, would you give it? You better relax." 
I give it a two, I think. Is that the 2021? Yeah, you gave it a two. I gave it a one star. I found it completely insufferable. It's like it's like every Blumhouse film for me. It's like a super intriguing concept with some like horrible acting and like really, really over the top, unintelligible social commentary. Um, I I think I kind of like them. Yeah, I know you did. You gave it a three star, but uh, I just thought. I, I don't know. I just, Seth and I just watched the most dangerous game last week. And like, this is clearly a modern adaptation of it that injects like a ton of yeah, like social com- and political commentary that I just thought was really dumb. And I just didn't really like any of the acting in it, but um, they did the classic, like speaking of psycho did the classic, like let's have a bunch of big name actors in this that people know. And then just like kill them immediately. So that was kind of fun, I guess. But, but yeah, I don't know. I didn't care for it, but that's all I've been watching. Cam, what are we watching? Nothing this week. Uh, Fallout, dead reckoning, um what else did i watch uh second movie we're reviewing today the empty man um which sucks because that movie wasn't even scary but then like i close my eyes and i'm like i'm like (laughs) i'm gonna get killed by the empty man now um i watched the death of superman just moving through uh um yeah good movie um moving through the dcau still a little slower now and then also turned on 65. It's not as bad as Tyler says, but it's not good. Um, so guess. Yeah, it's fine. Adam Driver carries that movie on his shoulders. You like, gave it a 1.5, like though. And a Cam 1.5 is like a Tyler 0. 0.2 out of 10. I don't know if that's true because I have 100 half stars. Yeah, so but I those give low movies. Half stars, you ought to be look for things. <laughs> yeah, they're bad. Man. Um, yeah, 1.5. It's I, Yeah, it sucked, but it wasn't, it wasn't a half star, I guess. Um, uh yeah that's that's all i've been watching i also um am gonna go through christopher nolan's ranking so i'm like halfway through dunkirk dunkirk right now which i have seen i saw it in theaters i just never rated it i think it'll be around like an 85 um um around there is is my guess based on what i remember and then halfway through what i'm feeling so far i think i'm gonna rewatch dunkirk later actually what haven't you seen from nolan still cam what's up what what still have you not seen from nolan um so following an insomnia, insomnia following following an insomnia are the only two i don't have rated and then dunkirk i also don't have rated so i'll get those checked off this week it's weird that following's in the criterion collection that's why like i went on a huge binge of looking at the criterion collection yeah. like they i swear they just randomly pick movies to throw in there like there's no rhyme or reason for half the movies well it's really it's whatever movies they get the right to put in their collect because like mm-hmm. some, have to them. Yeah, yeah yeah like they have to get those so like maybe okay. like okay. i don't You're know done. they probably they probably shoot their shot with every movie mm-hmm. they specifically go for like a lot of directors avant-garde films the early films that like they yeah. are out films the low budget stuff as well because yeah. it's easier to get out the rights off as well yeah but i think that was a criteria that's really interesting yes yeah, yeah. it's christopher to... nolan's only criterion movie yeah Triangle of Sadness is in the Criterion Collection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not cover bangs. Yeah, it does bang. It. I've never even seen a movie, but it does bang. Yeah, um, I haven't watched the chunk. I kind of also pulled the Tyler with the comedies, Hot Tub Time Machine, Neighbors, Horrible Bosses. <laughs> Hot Tub Time. I used yeah. to laugh. I, I still laugh. It's fine. <laughs> um, I continued my mutuals recommend movies. Uh, I was recommended The Covenant. Uh, not like the Guy Ritchie, Jake Gyllenhaal movie, the 2006 I guess fantasy supernatural movie, really bland. Uh, but kind of recommended that. I'm just uh, Kevin told me it was like one of his like guilty childhood pleasure. films, like kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but whatever. Uh, I saw Gran Turismo. Um, couldn't post a review on it because the embargo doesn't lift till like the first week of August. But 
better than I thought it would be. I guess I'll just. Is that the up. one about the kid? This in trailers about the kid. Yeah. 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 Way better than I thought it would be. Um, biggest difference in first and second halves of a movie in terms of quality I've ever seen. First half yeah, was. The film. It is isn't it? Is what? Is this the first Gran Turismo film? Though? Yeah, probably. I don't know. Okay. Uh, but yeah, first half was not good. Second half kind of banged. Um. Seth, I actually won't be mad at you if Terminator 2 isn't in the Criterion Collection because I fucked up the father. I gave it a four and a half out of five. Yeah, but you give uh, it a real four talk and a half. collection, real talk collection, not Criterion. I mean, real talk better, collection, better collection, better collection. The better collection. Yeah, I gave it a four and a half. I, I really, really, really fucking liked it. Um, but I, I think at the end, I don't know. It's it's Did weird. I did cry, yeah. Okay, good. That's fine. But like, it's oh. weird. It's okay. So like, the reason I don't give it a five out of five, even though I think it's like a really perfect movie, is that like I just have so much trouble like relating to this. Like, I've never like experienced yeah, this yeah. in real life, which I find weird to say because I've never experienced Batman in real life, but I still give that movie a five out of five. <laughs> weird, exactly. You know, but that like, weird. yeah. So like, I don't know. It just like it kind of held me back. But like, no. All things considered. Um, a fantastic fucking movie. I'm upset it took me this long to watch. I will also say, and I don't know if this is a hot take in like, you know, the father movie community. I still think Riz Ahmed should have won the Oscar over Anthony Hopkins. Really? I mean, I yeah. don't hate I think Riz Ahmed was. I, I think Anthony Hopkins was stunning, and I think he was probably the second best that year. But I, I still also think Olivia Coleman is probably just as good for me in the fall yeah olivia coleman is disgustingly good in this movie like i don't get how people are this good at acting um but yeah that's about it for me on the weekend uh and then the empty man which we'll talk about uh on thursday i believe um but yeah that uh that wraps up real talk episode 45 thank you guys for sticking around for our mission impossible episode um Drop a comment if you're watching this on YouTube. Let us know your Mission Impossible rankings. I'd love to see how uh, you guys stack up um, with our ranking, of course. You know, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Throw us a follow. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. Rate us five stars on Spotify. Um, follow us on Apple Music, on our Apple Podcasts. Um, we're all over the place and obviously your support means the world. Don't forget to check out our merch. Like I said, at the beginning of the episode, the support on the merch has been unbelievably amazing so far. Um, how goes so, in all your Barbenheimer wares? Yeah. Make sure this week on, uh, during Barbenheimer, I'm trying to see everyone pulling up with their Barbenheimer shirt. So tweet us, uh, send us the pics. Let us see, uh, your sick fit, um, for Barbenheimer. I'm so excited for this double feature. I just, it's, it's. What a, what a time to be alive. Uh, but that wraps up episode 45 of the Real Talk Podcast. Thank you guys for sticking around, and we will see you in a few days. And lastly, shout out to our executive producers, Al Bodie, Alexander Kephart, Adam H16, Mac Wells, Remy Walker, Stefan Johnson, Seven Mod Jeffy, AJ Quigley, Alexander Biscardi, Ben Leggy, Ben Hansey, uh, Brody Young, Callum Singh, Cody Whitney, Dakota Buckner, Dean Cudamanides, Dylan Chip, Isaiah Villa, Ferdinando Ford, Jimmy O'Connor, Jordan Gag, Josh Hines, Luke Durhog. Sorry if I mispronounced that. Marcellus, Nick Shirley, Relapse, Reese David, Rocco 1.0, Sean Morales, Tad and Bougie, Trey Arzi, Will Kim, Eunice BBX, and Zach Graves. Again, guys, thank you for stopping by, and we will see you for a real quick episode 71.